This is the joy of gaming. Welcome to the Joy of Gaming Podcast, episode 62. I'm Rich Lepore. Jordan Alseca. And today we are going to be talking about all the stuff we've been playing lately. Um, I've been playing a lot of stuff. How about you? Yes. No, one, two things. Two things? Two okay. things. But one heavily. incredibly, highly anticipated thing. Yeah. So we'll be talking about <laughs> ukulele. Sure. Um, so that's a, a big deal for you. I know you're a big Banjo and Banjo-Tooie fan. Um, so that's a that's a, a big new release by who, who Platonic. Platonic, that's right. Which is made up of many former Rare employees. It's uh, it's definitely an interesting developer. They've got some big aspirations, and I'll I'll, uh, I'll fill you in on what I've heard about those a little bit later. I've been playing uh, pretty much an alternating mix of Persona Five and Zelda. Tons and tons and tons of Breath of the Wild. Also spattered in a, a couple other games as well that we'll be talking about. But, um, yeah, so we just wanted to, you know, sit down, do an episode, talk about some of the stuff we've been playing before it becomes a list uh, 15 games long, as it <laughs> often has a tendency to do. And, uh, anyway, how you been, man? I've been doing all right. Yeah. Um, games are fun. <laughs> I've been working a lot, so I haven't had as much time as you, I think, to play games. Yeah, but... yeah. Well, it's also where you put your priorities. You know, there's so many different types of media. And, you know, there's so many TV shows, so I, some of yours are on hiatus right now, I think. Yeah, right? and we do have a three other shows now for that reason. Right, 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 exactly, because, you know, you start reading a bunch of comics and, you know, video games will fall, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, okay, cool. Well, let's uh, let's start like we always do, talking about a little bit of the news that interests us. Um, and uh, I think uh, one of the biggest stories that's been going on right lately um, was, I'd say about eight, eight or nine days ago, the Nintendo held their Nintendo Direct. Um, and it was a really weird thing because Nintendo, I mean, Nintendo's always weird. They always march to the beat of their own drum, but it was weird because of the pacing, right? It was, as you watched it, it was just bam, bam, bam. And it's weird because Nintendo, you know, they're, they're, they're notorious for giving you like, you know, one game a year. I mean, that's an exaggeration, but it's sort of true. Yeah. And so I'll give you a great example. Last year at E3, what did Nintendo show? One game. At E3. Was it Zelda? Zelda. I don't think... Well, yeah, but they don't really participate with E3 anymore. They just do the directs. That, right, and that's interesting that they do that, but even still, when they did directs, like they, they're, they're notorious for, you really, really want to hear about this game, we're going to tell you about something else. You know, that's they love... Like the Animal Crossing direct last year. Everybody was dying for Switch news. They're like, yeah, we're going to be talking about Animal Crossing, the re-release of some old game so you, we can sell our Amiibos better. I mean, they just do a lot of baffling things. But this one was, and much like when they announced, I like messing with you about the Nindies thing, but uh, much like when they announced their Nindies program, they're just, they was just full of info and just full of a bunch of games that they were talking about. So they were just throwing them one after another after another. They had this format where it would go boop and like the next like title would come up and they'd just shoot at you for about a minute with info and then move on to the next topic. Mm-hmm. And they had some really interesting videos about ARMS, um, which is one of their, I, I guess. See, now when I saw that game at first, I was like, is ARMS like... I don't know. What's like a third tier <laughs> Nintendo property? Um, uh, Zero? No, that's second tier, maybe. Kid Icarus? Yeah. No, but even that's like big news. Like, I was thinking like like we were Wii Sports Resort or something like that. Something that like, there's not much to say about it. Here it is. 
here's this game. And Arms was like that to me. As it's this game about. Have you seen this? Yeah. It's like, it's like these these dudes, <laughs> and they have these like springs for arms, and they punch each other. Yeah, and, and you that's use it. the Joy Cons to simulate it. Assumedly, when you play it, that sounds like it's going to be tiring. Probably. I I just whenever I see that game, I was just like, okay, next. You know, what's when's the next good thing that I actually want to play coming out? But apparently, they're making this like a big tentpole thing, much like Splatoon was their most recent new, you know, franchise. Big time IP, yeah. Right, so this is going to be their new big time IP. And so they announced a new character. I forget the name. It was something like Mio or something, but... A big hand head. And ramen arms. Yeah. They ramen for arms. So, I mean, I guess that's kind of cool and creative. But they also showed that there's going to be elemental powers, and it's just going to be a little more in-depth than, than maybe people thought. It's certainly... Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm certain they'll charge $60 for it, and so they better have some depth to be able to do that. Didn't they charge that much for 1-2-Go? Or one two switch. switch, yes, they absolutely did, and um, you know, same thing with Bomberman. I mean, which is that could have been nine ninety nine on the XBLA store. Instead, it was fifty nine. It'd probably have been twenty these yeah. days. There's not a nine ninety nine Xbox game this anymore. This is true. Well, another thing that's interesting about Switch is that their games are ten dollars more than everybody else's. So if you look at, I think it was Puyo Puyo Tetris. No, that that only came out on Switch, right? There was some game that was coming out. I don't think it was. Uh, I can't think of it at the moment, but there was a game that was coming out that was $10 more on Switch than anywhere else, because it was one of the few multi-platform things they've had recently. And everybody was a little up in arms, and they were like, hey, you know, Nintendo charges us a lot to do the cartridges, and, and we're not allowed to have a cheaper online price than we are allowed to have in, in, in brick-and-mortar stores, because that would be, you know, GameStop would have a fit, and it would just throw the whole retail world into, into yeah. you know, a chaos. So it's interesting. I mean, you certainly pay a premium for, for Switch, and, I mean, the console costs a lot of money, and it's powered much like, maybe a little bit more powerful than, like, a Wii U, but it's not that much more powerful. So, you play a premium, you pay a premium, and then the accessories for the for the Switch are ridiculous. I got the Pro Controller, it's 70 bucks. <laughs> but you bought it. I, you gotta have it. If you want to play Breath of the Wild, and you want to, like, have a, you know, a luxury, like, primo Breath of the Wild experience, you, you, you need it. Um, I don't know, I find it the best way to play it, but we'll... We'll talk about that more. So that's one thing. Are you interested in ARMS, Jordan? I don't have a Switch yet. I know, but if, if I mean, when you do, will you pick up ARMS? Probably not. Not yet. I don't think there's enough on it at the moment to get excited about. Um, I know that Splatoon is something that you were interested in at one point. Checking out. Yeah, I liked the first Splatoon. Uh, the demos of it I played. I never did get it full retail when it came out. Because it is mostly multiplayer focused. Uh, I think the new one's supposed to have a bit more of a campaign to it. Mm-hmm. But... Which is interesting. And then the big thing that they announced is... Uh, they didn't show much of the campaign yet. They were like the, the the continuing battles with the octogenarians or whatever will be announced later. But what they did show is this new horde mode. Um, and it is called Salmon Run. And it's really interesting. So it's like, much like the single... So so the original Splatoon had its big multiplayer thing. And then it had like a sort of miniaturized single player campaign. It was like 18 levels. It was pretty fun. But it was off to the side and it was like you go down this pipe and this old man's like, there's this battle waging that no one knows about with these octogenarians or whatever. You got to beat them. So that it, it was very segmented, you know. The new um, Splatoon game, it looks like it's going to have three segments. The third being this this... 
salmon run thing. And the way they did it was much like it, it was like a Dharma Institute video type looking thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was like we've we've uh, we found some footage of this secret thing that 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 squids are out doing, and it's you know collecting salmon eggs, and they made it into this whole like conspiracy thing. Look what they do, and look at the loot they get when they do it. And it was interesting though. I mean, it basically looks like you find waves of right. uh, lots of like little squiddy dudes or actually I guess they're sam- salmon monsters uh-huh. and then there's bigger salmon monsters and when you kill those you get eggs and then you take the eggs and you put them in this like repository in the middle of the stage once you get enough you've beat the level and then you can like trade those eggs in later for like upgrades and weapons it sounds fun I mean the core gameplay of Splatoon you've tried it it's very yeah, it it's seems... got a good loop I, I people it was, it's it's probably their biggest new franchise in years and uh, it is fun from what I played of it, and I would like to play more if I, if and when I get a Switch, I will probably play a good bit of it. Yeah, I mean, it seems it's perfectly it's perfectly designed for, for, for a Switch and, and for that environment. You can bring it with you, and you can play multiplayer on the screen and, and all of that. Um, let's see if there's anything else. Oh yeah, this is something that um, might get your interest a bit, and that is Sonic. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, they haven't shown off a whole lot. Maybe. Right. So we just before the podcast watched the forces trailer announcement trailer what did you think of that i it gave a little more look at what class i mean classic sonic gameplay looks like classic sonic gameplay um so it's hard to get super excited especially when sonic mania is coming out as well and it's really full-on classic sonic um i look forward to mania i like the 3d sonic style that they had in colors and mm-hmm. generations i'm glad they're bringing that so you mean back. you're looking forward to forces yeah i'm looking forward to forces because i'm I, I did not play Lost World, and a lot of people kind of hated on it for really changing how the gameplay worked, and this seems to go back to what, as far as most people are concerned, is the most successful 3D Sonic, so... Yeah, yeah, they, I mean, they refuse to, um, it's like there's, there's only, there's only two things they can do. It seems like, drastically fucking different, or the same exact thing that's been working, and like, it's very hard for them to find a middle ground, like, try some new things, maybe they think that's what Unleashed was doing, they were like, let's have Werehog, and then also have the old shit. Well, no, that's where they, they first introduced that style okay. of gameplay. Okay, that's my So it was then. experimentation, and it was good, and that's how they, they refined it over the next two, because it was still a little uh, So unwieldy. Generations was after that. Yeah, no, well, yeah, it, it was uh, Unleashed, Colors, Generations, okay. Lost World. And now, and then I guess Boom, if you want to throw that one in there. Well, no, it's not Mainline Sonic, right? No, it's its own alternate universe. Um, but yeah, I like Sonic. I'm excited for both of those games this year, and I always try to play the new Sonic games when I can. Uh, the, the Lost World was a Wii U exclusive, which is always a weird, yeah. uh, thing. But even so, when you had a Wii U, I couldn't twist your arm to get that game. I could only play so many games, yeah. and then I was ready to get rid of it. Yeah, I hear you. Okay, so, so, I guess, uh, optimistic, looking forward to those games. Yeah, we'll see. That's cool. Alrighty, I'm trying to think if there's anything else out of Direct that was interesting, um, I guess what, there's one other thing that's not strictly from Direct, but they announced it a couple a uh, couple days ago now, um, and that is that the NES Classic is being discontinued. And they said it was never intended to be like a regular long-term thing that they did. Um, I know I've never seen one in a store, <laughs> so I'm a little disappointed that I don't even have a chance um, to get one. But, you know, other than that, um, I don't know. Did you ever have an interest in, in this? No. No? You can, I mean, all those games... I... Not to say they're too old to be fun, but you can get them anywhere, and if mm-hmm. I want to play them, or... Um, no, I had no interest in the thing. It, it was not... I'm not that nostalgic for the NES to begin with. Right. Um, 
my first real Nintendo system was the N64, because I had a Genesis before that. Right. So, you know, I've played a lot of the classics, but I've played them, and I don't really need to go back to any of those, and they're on a million different formats at this point. The idea, I think, is like, what was it, 60 bucks or something? Yeah. And it's really cute, it's chibi, you know, it's this little console, and so, I mean, I can do everything that thing can do, the only thing I can't do is, like, 3D print that piece of plastic. That's, like, the thing I can't do. So that that's the I'm only sure thing. I'm sure someone will put a model out that you can, like, clap onto an emulator at some point. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's... Well, anyway, the, one of the... Re- people have conjectured a lot of different things. One, they want to keep the focus on the Switch. Number two, um, they've never been able to keep up with demand and they want to stop pissing people off. Although that doesn't really make much sense. People say... People have lots of theories about it. The Switch wasn't ready for holidays. <laughs> right. <laughs> it is a holiday item. Right, exactly. And also another theory being that it was put out to... Um, drum up interest in the Nintendo brand, kind of similar to with what you just said. Yeah. Um, you know, in in the lead up to the Switch, but the other news that just recently dropped is that surprising nobody, the SNES Classic is now going to be coming out, or at least that's what Eurogamer's saying, um, Kotaku's saying it as well. So it seems like it's a pretty pretty solid bet that that's on the way. And for me, and I would have picked up an NES Classic if I saw one, but I didn't pursue one. I'm certainly not going to drop a buck fifty on eBay. Mm-hmm. But the SNES Classic, that is more my speed. I could see picking that up. Because Super Mario World is one of those games that it's just like... If you can find one. I Well, maybe I'll be looking for one from the beginning at this point. I maybe. don't know. It's always weird. Because most all of the games on the NES Classic you could have picked up on the Virtual Console or right. on any of the numerous re-releases those games have had. So I imagine it'll be similar for the SNES. It's also interesting because both of those systems fill an interesting gap right now in where the Switch is at because the Switch has no virtual console, none of that stuff. And eventually it's coming. I think Splatoon is in a couple months, and when Splatoon comes, they'll have to have their infrastructure, their online stuff ready, and they'll launch that, and that'll probably come with the virtual console. Maybe not, but they're going to have their, like much like PlayStation Plus and Xbox Live Gold. Yeah. Um, they'll have their version, and it's going to be cheaper than both of those, but it's going to give you every month you're going to be able to have, like, rental access to mm-hmm. one of their classic games. So that's coming, but in the meantime, you know, NES Classic sort of filled that gap, and I don't know. It's interesting. We'll see. I'll tell you one thing. Nintendo has no scruples about taking people's money four or five times. No. I, for me, I just don't. You know, it's it's entirely unwieldy that they'd ever do an N64 Classic. That would, that would be the one I'd get excited yeah. about, because... Uh, I think you know Kotaku had a had a list of like I'm gonna get jump on everybody and do that list that'll never happen. And yeah. I was looking at all the games like no, I'd play all these. I I would like to play a lot of N64 classics again. So. Yeah, yeah. N64 is interesting. If I could play N64 games, I guess I can without that controller. Some people say they got used to it. I never did. That little like like airplane stick that it had on it, or I think of like those old submarine games or those old tank games that were on like. Like I mean, Amiga or, or it'd be easy enough to update that thing and just do a different type of controller. Yeah, with like a stick or something, as opposed to that. It's just that little, that little thin little stick. Did you ever get used to it? I mean, I was six, so okay. it, it was right. what it was for me. It's a huge leap forward in technology. I yeah. That. Well, Mario, especially in and all of that, it was it was impressive. And then Ocarina, Banjo, um, Majora. <laughs> right. There's all a lot there. Classes, There's a yeah. lot there. You're right. Okay, cool. Um, anyway, I definitely am looking in, uh, forward to the SNES. And if you want a uh, NES Classic, uh, better hop on eBay at this point. Yeah. I think they said there's one more shipment coming, but, like, come on. Scott Got to fight for it. Yeah, you, you'll, you'll have to throw some bows on that one. All right, uh, another really recent piece of news. Um, Call of Duty 
finally has answered the prayers of its many fans and announced Is that there demand for this? Oh yeah. Are you joking? Yes, I don't know. Why? I don't follow Call of Duty. Well, you follow the fact that last year when you were looking at the games, you were like, wow, Battle- I mean, uh, Call of Duty Infinite, lame. Call- Battlefield 1, yes, please. Yeah, because it was a unique setting. Right. They're like, we're going back to World War Two. And in fairness, so yeah, Call of Duty World War Two, which is such a weird title. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's been a decade. I was looking, I was like, man, yeah, it's been solidly... Uh, I think, 11 years since Call of Duty 3, mm-hmm. which was set in World War II. Right, so, right. yeah, they haven't been back there in a long time. Uh, and, you know, World War II games are not as ubiquitous nowadays. So, yeah. You know. I, so, for me, Call of Duty 2 was one of the games on the uh, Xbox 360 that ma- made me fall in love with the system. And really got me into games to the next level. Took me to the next level. So, a lot of my current passion for gaming, you know, that's that goes beyond Nintendo comes from the Xbox 360, and games like Condemned, Criminal Origins, and Call of Duty 2 were the reason for that. I also had Cameo. I mean, I had a bunch of stuff. It was a, it was a strong launch lineup. It really was. Uh, Condemned was just... I went over to a friend's house. He was actually Ray Romano's young, like, nephew. This this dude. And he was he was, he was was a little bit of a rough a roughneck um, kid, but he was... He had the Xbox 360. Ray Romano sent him one. Uh, for real. And he was playing Criminal Origins, and I was like, holy shit, that game looks amazing. I gotta have this. And when I got it, I also got Call of Duty 2. And you know my Call of Duty 2 story. Mm-hmm. One shot, one kill. Yeah. I love that dude. Whenever I play Call of Duty 2 now, I think about the dude at, at the store, you know, popping heads off and just loving it. One shot, one kill, pop! It was awesome. That guy rocks. Um, but or, or maybe he's a murderer now. Hopefully, I'm gonna go with the, the, the former <laughs> option. Um, so anyway, Call of Duty 2 was super fun. The mechanics were so fun. And I never thought I'd like that game. I wasn't a huge shooter fan before then. I certainly wasn't a big War Games fan before then. But it really grabbed me. And then I remember playing 3 and not liking it as much. And then I played Modern Warfare 4, or Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, and really liked that. But my interest has been waning and waning. It was sort of like I was riding that wave of love for a while, and then my interest has just gone down and down since. So this will be a really good rejuvenation of the format. I just hope it plays really fun, and it doesn't... I don't know, I just hope it feels good. Feeling is really important in your game. The way the shooting feels, you know? They made, what, Hall of Spacey? Is that their last game? Yes, Advanced. Advanced. It's Sledgehammer. Yeah, so, I don't know. I'm waiting for next year. Black Ops 3 was phenomenal, so I'm looking forward to whatever Treyarch does next, is where I'm at. But we'll see. With okay. World War II. Is I, that I guess really the, next... Yeah, yeah, that is next year. Yeah, because last year was Infinite, so it's a three-year cycle, um, assuming they don't change it again, uh, which they could. I don't know. I, I Black Ops 3 is the only Call of Duty game since 2 that I've really loved. Um, so you played 2? Yeah, I played 2. I played 4. I played a few others along the way, but none really grabbed me like Black Ops 3 did. Uh, mm-hmm. Just because, and again, we got it for the zombie mode, and that is what we spent the most time in. We did but finish the campaign. But you also loved the campaign and its upgrade tree, and the fact that it just really, you know, reiterated on the on the game, core gameplay so much, and the co-op, of course. Yeah, it was very fun. So, uh, hopefully, World War Two. Weird to say that will be fun. I think it's. I think it looks really good. I, what's really important is that they make it a really interesting story, and that the settings are good, and that the gameplay is fun. But just well, going one up things too much. I, exactly. Like at this point, you can't go much more futuristic. So right. give it a few years, go back in time, maybe go even further back. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, you could even go back to like Musket Nine. Nah, you probably couldn't. <laughs> like like Call of Duty Civil War or something. I don't know. It's, it's possible. 
It's possible. It's highly possible. But I mean, look at what look at what I'll tell you what blew my mind. Far Cry Primal. I was like, no fucking way are they going to make that fun, and it was fun. Um, they made that game fun. People like that game, so go figure. Because um, I was thinking like, there's no guns, there's no real weapons, there's were there bows in that? I guess. Yeah. Okay. But that's about it. Uh, I don't know. I found the bow and arrow to be the most fun thing to use in okay. Far Cry. Okay. Well, that works so. then. They stealthing dudes at the camps. But yeah. the thing about the thing about Far Cry games is the most fun is leveling up your equipment and your and your skills. And if you're like a caveman, it, it's just hard to under. I didn't play much of it. I only just barely touched it. So I don't know. All right. Um, so that is the news on um, Call of Duty. Uh, speaking of multiplayer shooters, that I care more about the campaign of. Good segue, actually. <laughs> I'm impressed. Um, Battlefront 2. I always mix this up and think people are talking about Battlefield when they're talking about it, but it's Battlefront. Um, this is the second Battlefront 2 to exist. Star the... Wars Battlefront 2. Right, Let's, right, right, you know. right. The first Battlefront 2, Star Wars Battlefront 2, was um, back in 05, and beloved. I remember that. It was beloved. It had a yellow cover, I remember, and uh, people were all about it. Um, but back then, it used to be much more about like a single player because you know the gaming landscape was different. There was multiplayer, sure, but there was also a lot of campaign, and it was really fun. And they changed that up a lot. Um, you know, Battlefront One, the multiplayer was an afterthought, like not quite as bad as Titanfall One, but like in that vicinity. Um, so you know, what I'm talking about about how there's like a single player campaign, but barely. Oh yeah, you said multiplayer. My bad. Yeah, yeah. So it had Star yeah. Wars Battlefront from a couple years ago is what you're talking yes, about. Yes, yes. And how it, and how it basically had a little campaign where it's like, oh hey, you're Han Solo, go kill some dudes. Oh hey, you're Luke Skywalker, go fuck some shit up. You know, and it was just basically instanced with bots, but it was the multiplayer game basically. Yeah. You know, um, it was it was it was weird um, to be sure. Um, but anyway, so Battlefront Two is going back to a. You know, it's still going to be a multiplayer-focused game. That's their bread and butter. That's where all their money comes from. However, it's going to this time not eschew the single-player campaign and push it aside. Rather, they're going all in with a writer that I know you like a lot, um, Walt something. What did I say? Walt Williams, I believe is his name. Yes, and he is of Spec Ops The Line fame, which uh, was that game that uh, basically had no right to be good. It was a, you know, kind of like Sniper Elite caliber but like a little less good than that caliber shooter yeah um, but it but it did it like amazing things story, with the story yeah. it made you feel like a shithead for basically playing a shooter within a shooter yeah no it, that was a very good meta commentary story uh i wouldn't say i love the guy i mean i love that story but it's not like i've seen he doesn't have a body of work i've appreciated no. so no but I, sure. it's a reason to hope that battlefield or battlefront 2's Story will be entertaining. Well, the idea here is that there is a character. Um, you're playing as a bad guy, much like Starkiller in um, Force Unleashed and Force Unleashed 2. Uh, however, of course, his is a, a, a you know story of going from the dark to the light side. Mm-hmm. Her story, people are hoping, myself included, will not be a dark to light story, but rather it's going to start out in a place where um, Aiden Versio is... She's a member of an elite unit called the Inferno Squad that works for the Empire... And she very much believes that the Empire is the righteous path and that the rebels are like evil rebels. And it's, much, it's very much in line kind of with where Rogue One sort of started taking us in that direction of are we really good guys? Is the rebel side really good? Or are these just two sides with opposing viewpoints and one has been demonized more than the other? Um, so that concept and, you know, with a guy with... The reason Walt Williams is coming up in the conversations is, I mean, he's working EA Motive on this game now. 
actually with Mitch Dyer, a guy who used to work for IGN as well, they're co-writing it. Um, but the reason that's interesting is his story has subtlety, right? His story was not just what you'd expect. Yeah. It was a story where it, it, it took expectations and turned them on their head. And so to give him a story of somebody on the Empire side but yet humanize her, you know, Breaking Bad style potentially, um, could be really interesting. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, so. I like the actors they have so far. Paul Blackthorne's in it from Arrow. Oh. Um, the lead actress whose name... I. Do forget at the moment who's playing the main character. Mm-hmm. Melania uh, has been a lot. Or, yeah, forget. she's been yeah. in the league and True Blood, so I've seen her a lot, and it's nice to see. Um, it's nice to see a different. It's not just because a lot of our older Star Game, Star Wars, Star Games, Star Wars games are just you know more generic white dudes, and you know this is a woman of color protagonist, which is exciting mm-hmm. and hopefully interesting. The whole thing is hopefully good. I mean, there would be I mean, a even Battlefront, I've, I've wanted to play. It's I've considered buying it in a few of the sales just because I've heard good things about how it's bucks. fun. What kind of, what aspects? I don't know. I just like Star Wars the universe. Sure. I like multiplayer games where it's a bit of a bigger, more you can kind of do your own thing shooter. That's what I liked-ish. Yeah, that's what I liked about Titanfall where it, you know, gave you other minions to kill and fight as opposed to just having to get your head sniped off. That's a, Which is the experience in a lot of, uh, well, well, I mean, you know, in Call of Duty games, because yeah. I can play Halo and Gears pretty well online, but, yeah, not competitively. Right, right. Well, those, those are also games that, well, I guess Halo still has a big, is big on sniper rifle, not so much Gears. Yeah. Gears has sniping, but anyway. Well, that's cool. I'm glad to hear you're psyched about it. I'm interested. I mean, it basically takes a person like me who would have zero interest in Battlefront 2 otherwise and makes me very interested. Mm-hmm. And it's been a long time. We didn't get, what was it called, 4040? That Star Trek, Star Wars game that was like in the in the working. Oh, thirteen thirteen. There you go. Yeah, thirteen thirteen. I think Thank it you. was that. I think it was that. That just basically got scrapped. And I think it was the team who did Dead Space that was working on that. And I was like, that is a real bummer. That could have been awesome, and it didn't happen. So this is like the next Star Wars game we're getting. Um, obviously, unless you count Old Republic, and I don't play MMOs. So. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, other uh, news: Bayonetta hit Steam. Um, I mean, that's a real. It's a 2006 game, I think. Yeah. Uh, pretty, no, 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 no. No, that can't be right. 2009 or 10. Okay. At the l- earliest. Okay. Um, but anyway, a game you love. Yeah. You never played two. No. However, um, cool. I need to get back to it. I played about half of Bayonetta. I really liked it, but never finished it. That's fun. So if yeah, if you're out there and you want to play a really good, um, I guess 3D uh, action adventure game. Hack and slash. Hack and slash. Yeah. yeah. Uh, combos, juggling. Um, which is, you know, j- jump in. Uh, Scorpio. Not huh? SEO tags going. Right, right, right. Let's just, we'll take, we need like a um, uh, verbal translator. so the this word can just cloud. Yes, yeah, so we can just be building our, our, our metadata. Okay. Um, speaking of stories, well, that last one was something you would be interested in, but among stories Jordan has zero fucking interest in, Scorpio specs were announced. Yeah. And uh, it looks really powerful. Um, that's about it. I will say this. This is a good good time to talk about for just a second. What's going on with Xbox this year? Where's the good shit? I mean, when you look at... And, and every game we look at, it's like, oh, it's going to be PS4 exclusive. Like, they, Except for maybe Crackdown 3, which there's rumors Crackdown 3 may be a Scorpio exclusive. You know, they were talking about our, our destructible environments are so destructible and amazing that we need to do our destructive uh, math in the cloud. And all this shit they were talking about back in the day. Then Crackdown 3 went ghost. So is this going to be a half-step, like, new Nintendo 3DS, some games are exclusive system update? That's the thing. They're not saying that exactly. Um, 
we don't know, but it... There's a very real... Ch- I, like, uh, I'll tell be. you this. I will probably jump ship and just get a PS4 at that point. Yeah. I mean, because if, if it gets to that point where I need to buy a new system, I don't really want to half-upgrade to an Xbox One. Yeah. Like .5 or whatever. I, and, I'd rather... And you've fallen off the Achievement Hunt game. Yeah, I don't really do that anymore. It's mainly because... Uh, it's my main hub for entertainment and hanging out with a friend and watching stuff, but we can just both get a PS4. Re- really, we could, mainly we watch stuff on Netflix, and we could do that cross-system too, so. Right. The way we do it, so. Right. It's, it's, it's. And they took away so many of the Xbox One features we liked. You know, they got yeah. rid of snapping, they got rid of, um, the, they've, they've changed the home system and it's kind of weird. It's, they, 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 the Connect support is, you know, kind of dead now. So it's just totally. like. Did you know the Scorpio doesn't have a Connect port? So yeah, it's just they're they're killing everything about the. You know, this was such an exciting system. I still kind of blame whiny fans who really, you know, more or less forced Microsoft to neuter the thing before it hit, even hit the market. Always online, the Connect aspects, um, the the Xbox family stuff, the DRM, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the biggest reason, and we have talked about it before, is being able to somewhat share games, and if that. You know, the Scorpio comes out and is a, a half step and doesn't really let you do that. It's like, what's the point? Scorpio is going to be very interesting and very weird, and I don't know what they're going to do. I'll tell you this: when you look at uh, PS Pro, the PlayStation Pro, it, it really has done. It's it's, it's made a it's talk about a uh, a whimper rather than a than a bang. I mean, it's just a little more powerful, a couple more gigaflops or what are they called? Um, teraflops, a couple more teraflops of graphic memory, they- and. It can 4K, it can do 4K for your games. That's but, you it. you know, they have games. <laughs> they do have games coming out. That's the thing about PlayStation right now. Think about the beginning of this year, for, for example. And, and I, you know, I I commend you because you've always been a hardcore, and I don't think you were hard. I'm learning now maybe what that hardcoreness was more about. I always thought you were hardcore Xbox, just like I play Xbox, fuck PlayStation. No, God, um, no. And I, I guess I didn't realize that that wasn't the case. Um, I was PS2. Like I, I thought I, you were very loyal to Xbox though in the 360. And I mean, the yeah. One well, no. I mean, it, the one is the first time I, I actually even stayed with because I went from Genesis to N64 to PS2. I mean, I had a GameCube, but PS2 was my main mm-hmm. gaming system. To Xbox 360, and then the one it was just yeah, I wanted to carry over achievements. It's what my friends were getting, and right. yeah, it was okay. as simple as that. Okay, interesting. All right, so yeah, I always thought it was much more about I play Xbox One and that's it. And and so the the thing about PlayStation though and what it's what it's do, what it's been doing is take, let's take a look at the year right near Automata Neo why is that not on Xbox right um, earlier stuff in Destiny for the whole time and the last time and everyone's like well at least this time maybe they won't do that console exclusive stuff nope first on PlayStation you want to play Assassin's Creed Syndicate I know I'm going deep here and you want to do the dreadful crimes you can't even do them. And guess what? It never came out. Not timed exclusive. It never came out. So you can't do any of the murder mysteries in the Xbox version of Syndicate. Not ever. Which just blows my fucking brain. Um, anyway, back to the list. Nier, Neo, um, Yakuza, the new Yakuza, the new remakes of Yakuza when they come out. Um, um, Horizon is a, is a phenomenal game. People are just talking about it. it. would have been great for you, who doesn't have a Switch yet, and you're thinking, oh, I guess I can't play Breath of the Wild. I think I'll get Horizon. Nope. Persona 5. Nope. 
I mean, it's it's. I mean, it, the list goes on. It's getting ridiculous. It really is getting ridiculous. And in that period, wait, at least at least Xbox had a couple things in that period. Oh wait, none, no, not one. Yeah, I, I got to play. You have to play Gears 4 back in October. Which, which was the biggest whimper of all time. It was like, yeah, how was the story, Jordan? It, it was, was okay. Right. How was the multiplayer? Halo Wars did come out recently. Okay. They have had... I mean, if you're going just exclusive... No, that's fair. They did have Halo Wars That's 2. fair. Halo Wars 2. It's I not think a genre have, I'm interested in. They sold in, about 25,000 copies, I think. Um, and uh, that's about that. They got nothing. And then, wait a second. What's coming up for Xbox? Nothing. E3 will be important for them. Yeah, it will. It will. We'll have to have this. We'll have to revisit this conversation because on the horizon, I see Switch talking about everything that they have that no one else has. PlayStation, same thing. Xbox has got Scorpio, but like you said, until we start hearing what Scorpio is going to do, and you know if it's going to make it worth it, and also here's the other thing that's going to probably going to take you people like yourself out of the game. It's probably going to be five hundred dollars. That's what people are conjecturing, and if you can get a PlayStation for two fifty. And then open up Unlock, like I like to put it, that whole library of games for yourself. That just seems like a much smarter move for yourself and a lot of other gamers. And certainly, I've been on the fence about a PlayStation 4, and it might happen. Um, it's, 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 it's really interesting. We'll see what they do. But anyway, Scorpio's coming. It's got eight teraflops of graphical memory, um, but we will see how much that matters when the time comes. Yeah. Um, and then I guess the last thing to talk about here would be um, there was a cover story that just took me very much by surprise. Um, speaking of PlayStation exclusives, and it is for Ninja Theory's new game. Now, going back, Ninja Theory did that amazing game, Enslaved. Did you play Enslaved? Yeah. Enslaved was... How good was Enslaved? Very good game. Enslaved was amazing, with a great twist ending, but not one of those gotcha twists. It was more of a, like, wow, it makes everything more meaningful, right? Um, they did Heavenly Sword. Did you play that? No. Heavenly Sword was really good. They did... What else did they do? Um, there was a couple others that were good. Um, I can't think right off the top of my head, but the Ninja Theory has, has been down in it. They did a lot Got of a solid games. pedigree. Really solid. And this Heavenly time... Sword 2? No, this is the spiritual successor. This is the... Okay. Yeah. So they have been... Uh, they announced a couple years ago, they were like, instead of going back in and being a AAA developer and making another $200 million game, we want to go smaller. We want to tell a more character-driven story. We want to try different genres. We want to experiment. We want to take all of this experience that we've developed being Ninja Theory and creating these huge AAA tentpole titles for PlayStation, and we want to make our own game for PlayStation. But it is And Microsoft Windows. Right. It is called (laughs) um, Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice, Senua's Sacrifice. And it's really interesting because um, much like um, Legion, um, this is a game that is very much about the mind and about psychology. And here is a woman. So even though it's sort of a monsters and, and horror it's also about like it's it's about her mind and it manifesting itself in the real world. So it's they actually have a consultant brought in, like a psychologist consultant, and people you know coming in to talk about schizophrenia and mental illness and really like doing that justice, but also in like a creative way. Kind of reminds me a little of that movie, A Monster Calls. Kind of like about that boy's. I didn't see that, but it was like that boy's like I don't know inner thoughts and personality and coming mm-hmm. out and represented by this monster. It's kind of similar to that. But this game is going to be really weird because Ninja Theory is known for this really stylish action that they do. But this game, it's it's got very little action. And you just sort of walk around. It's, it's very atmospheric. It's very story-based. Um, it's going to have weird puzzles, where, much like The Witness, where you have to like line up shapes and shadows. 
Um, there is going to be combat, but it's not going to be the kind of combat with like a skill tree where you level up your abilities and you level up your weapons. You got all the abilities from the beginning. It has a lot of weird influences. Like one of the ones that I heard the developer mention was um, things like Streets of Rage, believe it or not. Back in the day on Genesis, when you would basically have all your abilities from the beginning, um, limited as they were, but you'd have them from the beginning and your skill would increase. It wouldn't be that you leveled your character up. You know, uh -huh. so by the end you would understand the combos, you'd understand how to do all the moves, you understand what moves into what, and your skill would increase. But you get it. Yeah. Um. So there's just a lot of interesting uh, inspirations. They decided to do what they're calling an indie AAA title, whatever that means. Um. So that's something to be in interested in. Look out on the radar again. If you just have an Xbox One, I guess you're out of that game. <laughs> yeah. But does it sound cool? Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to mix kind of two things I know you like. Uh, Bayonetta slash Devil May Cry, excuse me, combat with like the Witness kind of puzzles with Gone Home type of adventure games. Mm -hmm. So I mean, it's it's a good cocktail. We'll see how it how it brews up, right? Right, exactly. Alrighty, well, um, I've been doing a lot of talking here. Uh, I would love to hear about what you've been playing. Uh, so I know why don't you why don't you give people a a backdrop on on your lead up to uh, to your uh, big well... game. Oh, well, am I starting with my big game? You don't have to. Okay. Start with yeah. else. Uh, well, the big thing, I mean, I've played a lot of, uh, I don't even know, I might have talked about it a little on the last episode, but a, a lot of Overwatch lately. Oh, cool. Let's hear about this. Because um, they've got the big event going right now, uh, the Uprising event, okay. which features a bunch of new skins, emo you know, all the stuff that an event comes with, uh, and it features a uh, PvE event called Uprising, which is set seven years in the past of the story. Uh, is about Tracer's first mission with Overwatch, and this uh, basically... Um, oh, now I'm going to forget uh, what the robots are called. The robots in Overwatch okay. is the name I'm forgetting, and I feel bad about that. Uh, it's sort of like an uprising in, in the um, King's Row air map. It's kind of reimagined at a different time of day with uh, AI enemies that you fight, okay. and you have a few different... It basically fuses all the different... Uh, PvP objectives into a single map. You have to go and start these things. Then you have to go to protect a payload, and then you escort the payload, and then you have to take on like the final boss enemies at the very end. Wow! And it's just kind of like a horde. Boy, mission. that sounds fun. It is. It's a lot is of. Is it co-op?y It is. It's four player. Uh, it's a four player co-op experience. No, 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 uh, no verses. No verses at all. It's fully PvP. Oh wow! Is this um, forever? Or is it just it's right for now? this event. They could keep it in they, some capacity. They need to. They had a horde mode with Junkenstein's Revenge during Halloween that went away. Um, how can you have a game that beloved? That only uh, that. But how can you have a game that is only multiplayer uh, versus, and then you just have events that are co-op? But then if you want to go play co-op after that, there's nothing. Yeah, that's weird. They, well, they the just... co-op is the multiplayer because it's six v six matches or. 3v3 or 1v1 in certain okay. uh, additional modes, but it is, it's a very fun event. It's a lot, there's a lot of unique new story dialogue written for it. There's two ways to play. There's the, there's the main version, which is, uh, you play Mercy, Tracer, Torbjorn, and Reinhardt, and that's the strike team that you use, and each player is one of those four, and you, you go through. Uh, yeah. Or, or you can play it with all characters, which really kind of is just sort oh, of whatever I meant, you want. I meant, oh, okay. Okay, so so you can either play strike team or all characters. Yeah, they're two okay. different modes. Um, there's a little story cinematic that plays at the beginning, and it's just further fleshing out the world. The skins flesh out the world more. It's a lot of... I mean, Overwatch is a very interesting world where it's clear they put all the thought in and they know everything, but they're just slowly kind of 
letting fans in through the skins and the uh, the tags and the emotes and all that, the things that slowly build out the world. You know, they release a little comic to go with a lot of the events as well, because there was one cool. for this. Uh, it's just very fun. It re-energized us to keep playing it. I've, you know, playing a lot every day, uh, getting better with different characters, expanding the amount of characters. I mean, I still have... Who the... are you into right now? And as far as characters. trying new ones? No, in general. Like, who, do you, who have you liked? Who are you branching out to? I mean, the best, I'm best with Soldier 76 and Bastion and Reinhardt, because those are the ones I started with. But I'm spending more time with, you know, healers like uh, Mercy and uh, Zenyatta, who's probably the most complex to play. The one that, that, that hovers and does his Zen thing. Yeah. There's, I've been spending more time with Roadhog, whose hook and shotgun's actually pretty fun. Um, so I've been trying to branch out to more huh. of the characters. When no, it, no tracer for you. No, I'm not... The offense characters in general are a little trickier. I prefer Sombra. I really... Especially, I play a lot of 3v3 elimination, um, which is where, you know, each team has three players and they pick a character and it's just, you know, kill all of the opponent's team before they kill you. And, you know, one life. And you go three rounds and it's a lot of fun. Um, and I like Sombra because she can turn invisible and, you know, sort of sprint to more strategic positions. And her hacking's limit... I, I It's like the big thing she's built around... Um, it's a little more complicated to know how best to use it because everyone still has their gun when you hack them. So it's more right. it's more a support a thing, you know, like take out a shield or something as opposed to uh, I'm going to neuter you and then kill you. It's more... she. I, a lot of the offense characters are built around high DPS, but they're made of tissue paper. So, you know, you want to hit first because if you get hit at all, you're pretty much going to die. Hmm. Um, but no, Overwatch is a lot... So there's no, of, like, like, medium level... Like, uh, offensive, but not tissue paper? I mean, the defense characters are more that way. Okay. They tend to be so they're uh, lower DPS. Defense, kind of. Well, they're, they're much lower DPS, but they have, they're have they a bit hardier in health, and it, they can be really... And not helpful. as lame on DPS as, like, a healer would be. No, yeah, I mean, a healer might have a gun. Okay. Well, I think everyone has... No, 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 everyone has an offensive capability. You gotta have some way to somewhat, yeah, protect but for, yourself. Right. But you're not, you're not running the map as Mercy with her pistol. Right, um, right. You might if you're if you're a top tier player, you probably could. But right, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's been a lot of fun, and yeah, they're just they're constantly doing new events. I mean, it hasn't been that long since the year of the rooster event they did, uh, which was more just that had uh, capture the flag mode as its thing, and it was more just kind of a fun new skins based around Chinese New Year. And there might be an, they've said they're going to repeat some like Summer Games is going to come back with Lucio Ball, and they're going to keep doing new events to introduce more of the story. Um, we're not that far from the one-year anniversary of the game, so they might do something for that. Uh, probably will. I oh would yeah, imagine. I would. Say, I would say so. Uh, but Overwatch has been a lot of fun. It's it's just fun to play and get new loot, and you know, there's so many characters that anytime you're getting bored with one, you can switch it up. Or now, when you say new loot, obviously that's cosmetic only, right? Yes. And what does it do for you? Makes you look dope. But that, but like very different. I mean, I thought the idea of it no, there are like, some drastically different looking skins. Yeah. So they're only skins. That's what loot is. Just a skin for the whole body. There's yeah. There's skins. There's uh, emotes. There's dialogue lines. There are graffiti tags. And oh, oh, highlight intros for if you get play of the game. And I think that is everything. Okay, so so different ways to ostentatiously show how cool you are. Yeah. In a way. Um, okay. And, you know, the skins, there are Uprising loot boxes right now that have exclusive to Uprising items. So once the I event's see. over, you can't get them anymore. I see. So that's the, where the drive is. Yeah. Is, okay. 
Gotcha. Now, you can buy them during the event, so I have a lot of gold right now. If I, if the end of the event comes up and I don't get the Mercy skin I want to get in a box, I can just buy it. And you probably will. Uh, yeah, but... Have you have you bought any uh, currency with money? No, no, no. Okay. Uh, you don't really have to, huh? No, it's fun to play, and I'm not super into... Um, and it's been pretty good about giving the better stuff so far. Like, I got the really cool D.Va highlight intro. Um, Wait, how do, how do things become deemed better when there's no stats? Just cooler? No, it's still got the loot, you know... Rarity? White, blue, orange, but, purple, but what is or something, purple, orange. What makes something rarer? It's not more powerful. It doesn't have better abilities. It's a more... Usually it's, you know, it's a, a cooler one. So they make, like... like the skins... The, the, the rare skins are just color swaps, whereas... You know, an, a legendary skin might be Torbjorn dressed up as Santa Claus. Oh, okay. Okay, so it's how dramatically it, it, it changes your character, or how, like you said, cool, if you yeah. can use that as an adjective. Yeah. Something is. All right. The Diva, legend, the Diva highlight intro is really dope. It's, what does it do? She jumps out of her mech as it's about to explode, like in her ult, and then she lands and pops out her cell phone and takes a selfie just as it's exploding. Okay, so it's just like the ultimate badass shit. Yeah, there's a lot of really cool highlight intros like that, and and everything. It's just a fun loot game, and it's something, you know, it didn't have to be there, but it, it's just well, fun. yes, it did because it's one of the ways they find. No, yeah, it's definitely game. something that you you need you need a loot system. But I more mean it's a fun enough game on its own. But, yeah. So it's not like it's detrimented by ha- not having anything else that you earn. Right. And you know, I mean, what else would you give more? I mean, you would just have to have uh, what Call of Duty does, right? They give you access to the different tiers of loadouts, yeah. which is big. I mean, you want no, to be No, it is to... big, but in this you just pick yeah. your... I mean, basically it's like 23 types of gameplay at this point with different right. characters. Right, that's so, true. That's and true. they're always developing someone hidden in the background. Uh, developing? Or 24. There are 24 heroes now because they released Orisa. Um, and that happened between events, so they're always updating Orisa? Stuff. What's that? She's a bipedal war tank that can launch like a she launches a dome shield or not a dome shield but like a front facing shield and she can like boost herself to not take as much damage cool yeah i like playing as arisa so who's your main um i it's i don't think soldier no i don't think it's right to say i mean he's probably my favorite offensive character best it depends on the map and it depends on well that's what i mean like all things being equal, which they're not, but let's say all things were equal, every class equal. What do you think you have the most impact on the game playing as? I don't. I think that's unfair to say. You can't okay. say all things being equal when it's vastly different. I mean, again, I'm, I think I'm good with Reinhardt, okay. Soldier, Bastion, Arissa, Lucio, but okay. you know, it so depends on the mix. situation. So it really, and so it's it just, isn't it's the more kind of from game. having played them a lot more than. Like, just inherently. So it's not like League of Legends where somebody will be a guy who always plays, I don't know the name of it, but there's that little dude with the hook that he throws and he rides Roadhog. around. Is that his name? That has the hook? He, not in not in Overwatch. I'm talking oh, about League Lo- of Legends. Oh, I didn't tell you. Yeah, he's this little that. dude. He rides around. He's like a little robotic dude. And he throws hooks out and pulls people in. Everybody talks about this hook mechanic and whatever and how you use it. If Kelsey were here, she'd know. Yeah, she would. Um, but And, she, and one time I actually did, did try to refer to it and she did know. Um, but anyway, so refer back to the ep- that episode with Kelsey if you really want to know what I'm talking <laughs> about. But um, but no, I mean people play like that's their main. This game it sounds like is really well. Designed. I mean there are ha- there are people who do main characters and they but you know if you're going to be competitive on the competitive side you need to be able to switch mm-hmm. and, and there are certain characters that nobody wants you to play in competitive like Widowmaker or uh, Junkrat. 
because well, they they just have so many flaws compared to what people know to expect from those characters and how to defend against them. So. I see. Cool. Well, it sounds like you're really liking that purchase. Yeah, Overwatch is hella fun. What is that? Is that like your game that like when you when you have just like a half hour to play, you'll pop it on, or is it one where you'll sit down for three hour session? Both. I wow. mean, I'll, I'll spend a lot of time with it. Uh, but yeah, when I've got just time or I'm waiting for a show to start or something, yeah, I'll, I'll play Overwatch. It's perfect for that. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, what about you? What's your... F- so that's Overwatch. Yeah. Uh, what's your first game So I am going to talk about... Um, uh, let's see. So I already said I played a little Call of Duty 2. That was fun. But I'm going to jump in with um, the Wolf, a Wolf Among Us. Now, have you played this? I've played the first episode. Yeah. Guess how many times I've played the first episode. Nine? Three and a half. That's probably too many. Three, Three and, and a half, half times. Okay. I played it once on Xbox 360. Then I was going to play the second episode. And I was like, I kind of forgot the first one. Played it again. And then somehow my save file got lost. Played it again on 360 because I was like, this time I'm going to play it all the way through. Started playing Into Wrath and then stopped playing again for like a year. So recently I just went on to my one. You know, they gave it away free at one point. So I go on there. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to pick up my game at Chapter 2. And I was like, oh, fuck. That was Xbox 360. Shit. So I played for the fourth fucking time. Um, And uh, it didn't even suck. It game is that fun. I think that game, it's like... It's kind of like the way I feel about Mass Effect 3, where I don't even want it to end, so I'm like playing it so slowly. That game is that fun. At least you're not missing out. Right, right, <laughs> right. Um, that's some big news that just happened, right? Mass Effect Andromeda was a huge flaming bomb. Um, did we not talk about that on the last one? Maybe we did. No. Maybe. I think I gave you... I, I probably busted your chops about not yeah. being ready for it. Yes, but uh, yeah. I don't think we talked about it. The saga continues. Uh, I, yeah, I will get... I, I did, I did uh, load Mass Effect 3 on my Xbox One, so there's been progress. <laughs> I did. I loaded, All right. it. I loaded it up. Um, I still haven't played it yet. Um, but anyway, so uh, Wolf Among Us, I mean, it's an old game. There's not much to say except that uh, it's super duper fun. I'm really loving it. I love those characters. And every time I play it or pick it up, I just remember how much I want to read Fables. Um, that always happens. So I know you were you, you had recently picked up a couple Fables books, didn't you? No, I wanted to. We, were, we went to a comic convention a few weeks ago that... Uh, they had them, but then they sold before uh, I went back right. to At buy Chapel them. Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was that experience. Uh, but I got the bu- the like angel hardcovers, so I'm pretty happy with that. You need to jump back into the uh, Wolf Among Us too. You own it like three places. Yeah, I actually right? started it about two months ago. I started the first episode over on one and just haven't gone back it's to so it. so fun, though. I'll probably go back to Batman, though. Or Guardians came out this week. Oh, that's right. Are you pumped about Guardians? The game? Yeah. I'll probably try it out. Okay. Their games are always... I'm not great at, at week or at, or the monthly episodic stretch. Don't you remember, though? Do you not remember? I'm sure you do. Like, your game of the year was Walking Dead? Yeah. That then, year? Then... Then it got usurped, I think. No, no. I can't even remember. It I probably forget. wasn't I think my game later, of the year. I think the next year you said if I had played this, it might have... Oh, I mean, that's always the case. Yeah, like, yeah, Overwatch yeah. really is... I mean, we agreed on that on the episode. Overwatch right. is the game of 2016. Right. Um, or, I mean, Tales from the Borderland was high, too. Yeah. Uh, it was right behind Life is Strange. So I that's like right. episodic adventure games. It's just you have a tough time committing to them. I do. I know that. Yeah. So, you know. Same thing with Hitman, right? You love that game. You own that game. That's a, game... that's a game where the, the, I should have played it monthly because it is... It is it's so intense yeah. in one map that the second I tried playing that second one, I was like, oh, God, there's so much new stuff to yeah, learn. to learn all this. Yeah, it just was But it's undeniably a masterpiece game. Um, right. And God, season two's coming at some point. So. Well, anyway, speaking of masterpieces, my one of the two main games that I've been playing 
uh, is Zelda, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And this is one of those things that even talking about it just feels stale because I have read mm, probably 100,000 words. <laughs> so many. Probably, probably 150 articles, 200 articles, and about 100 YouTube videos and five or six facts. On this on this game, it's that big, it's that interesting, it's that pervasive in the in like the blogosphere slash internet. It is. This is not a game. This is an event. It is not an event. It is a fucking. It's a masterpiece. I mean, the game is phenomenal. Um, I, for me, when we first when we last checking back in our last episode, it was was one of our main things that we discussed, and you know, it was also you know, uh, backdropped against the Switch. My thoughts on, on Zelda, though, then, were that it was the little things, right? It was when you cook something, the little sounds it makes. It was when you're fighting, the way the weapons feel. Um, you know, it's it's lots of little things that add up to the, to the overall feel. Now I feel differently. Now I think that the whole game is just a massive... I, I'm more impressed with the macro at this point, you know, than I was with the little micro stuff. And that's sort of how it is when you just start. You, it's so vast and expansive it's hard to even think about the big picture so i guess i focused small but this game so right now let me give me check in i'm 72 uh finished 72 of the 120 shrines i finished three of the four divine beasts i'm working on the fourth um and what's amazing about that game is everywhere you go is a unique environment at first when you look at the world you look around and it looks like Every place is kind of similar looking, right? Everything looks a little brown or green, but it's this muted shades, and you know it's it's very hard to see any distinction. So when you're far, and that's probably just one of the one of the limitations. And being honest, one of the real limitations of Breath of the Wild is it does have a draw distance limitation. You can't see much from very far away. They 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 artificially fix that with certain things. So like the the shrines, you know, they teach you early on in the game. Go up a tower, look around, because we're not going to, you know, even though you do the Assassin's Creed thing and get, like, the map by climbing a tower, we just fill in the outline of the map and, like, the topography. But if you want to know what's in that map, you got to, like, study it, put your own marks on it, use a telescope and, like, zoom in. Unfortunately, though, one of the downsides to that is the only thing you can really scout are for the big things. So you can scout for other towers. You can scout, like, really huge items, like big mountain, big castle. And then you can also scout for anything that's like orange is like a shrine, right? So mm -hmm. you look for all these shrines and you can, you can put little pins in your map and go after them, which I totally did. But because of the fact that the draws distance isn't that huge, because it can't be, it's just too expansive, right? Because of that, um, I didn't realize how vastly different the areas are. But there is a, like a Korok forest that's like the Forbidden Woods. There's Death Mountain, which is a volcanic area that's as big as... It's so big you can get lost in it. There's um, four or five slightly different grassy areas with differing degrees of grass and, and rocks and, and hills and valleys and structures and just craziness and just different stuff everywhere. There's a Gerudo Desert that is so fucking big I'm lost in it with big like like uh, uh, smoke storms. What do you call that? Uh, Sandstorms mm -hmm. everywhere that you can't – and when you go in them, you're, you're – Minimap disappears and goes fuzzy because you don't know where you're going. Um, there's horses, but that's not all. There's also um, sand seals that you can ride through the desert, you know? There's um, uh, shield sledding down the big snowy hills that you can you, you literally hit three buttons and you jump and land on your shield and snowboard down the hills on your shield. 
there's four different dragons that you have to like float up using your thing shoot off the different parts of them so they i mean it's just it's vast it's so huge and it's and every part of it's fun and and what's really interesting is they give you this amazing playground but and with all these distinctive areas oh snowy areas right raising snow areas um that just hot areas that aren't the gerudo desert i mean it just goes on and a water world right i mean it goes on and on and and it gives you these great places to play in and also the gameplay loop is so tight so you're you're always collecting items and those items can do so many things they can um you know you're, you're obviously collecting weapons and you have to choose, pick and choose because you only can carry so many and then they degrade but that's actually a good thing i hated it at first like everybody hated it at first and then you learn to love it because it makes you alternate and you use spears which you never would normally use you use heavy weapons you never really normally use because sometimes that's what you have you know um and so it, that's a cool mechanic everything about it is really well thought out and anytime you kill like a, like you go hunting and you kill wolves the first time i did it i felt terrible but you get used to it it's a game and then they drop meat uh it might be a regular steak it might be gourmet steak or it might be like rare organic gourmet steak right and then like you can you, you combine these into food and sell them at the at the shop there's this special shopkeeper that only comes out at night there's you know infinite upgrades to get it's just it's just it's vast it's huge and every part of it is fun it's it's just so clear that a Nintendo made it because they're genius. Mm-hmm. B that they beat to the mar- that they they marched to the beat of their own drum, and and C that they took six years making this game. It's just clear. You know, yeah. this is the kind of game you need that much time to make it this good because it's like you play a lot of other games and it's they're good but they're not nearly as good. It's like this is just it's it's levels of magnitude better than the average game you play. And to me, that none of that would have mattered at first. I was like, okay. When I first started playing it, I was like, this is an accomplished game. This is an impressive game. This is a masterpiece. There's no question about that. But am I enjoying it, and am I going to like it? And at first, I wasn't sure. You know, when we were talking last time, I was like, this is really cool. But I didn't know it was going to grab me. I didn't know I was going to love it and be compelled by it. And once I started loving the combat, once I started getting outfits that I wanted to level up, but and once I started... You know, once I really once I took down the first of the four divine beasts and understand what the full extent of the gameplay loop is, uh-huh. you know, go to a town, meet with those people, get absorbed in their world, get a quest from them that takes you to meet some you know remnant of a past life a hundred years ago because you know the whole premise is a hundred years ago you died trying to kill Ganon, mm-hmm. um, they put you to sleep right before you die so that you could come back 100 years later well rested and ready to take them on again. So everything you see is how things fell apart 100 years ago and then the spirits of those creatures help you now. I mean, I'm, it's just a lot of crazy stuff. But once you understand this loop of how it works, and then you get a new ability and then from that moment on, the rest of the world opens up in a new way. I mean, it's just it's more than you can even discuss. Yeah. You know, it's just so phenomenally good. Um you know that and it's the other another thing about it. This is a, a big way to compliment it. It's going to be hard to play other open world games after you play this because you can climb anything. You can attack anything. If you see electricity and it's like this electricity thing where you have to like put metal objects next to each other to turn something on in a shrine, you there's always a way to do, do it with the items they give you, but you could also string in your sword if you want. Drop it on the ground and push it in and it'll work. It's like a sandbox that's that well thought out that every item in it works. And, like, you see people online, they talk about this crazy shit they do. Like, there'll be a raft, and it's for going on the water. You get a Korok leaf, you blow it, the raft moves. But no. People have to get Octorok balloons and attach it to the raft, and the raft picks up like a hot air balloon and flies you off into the distance. 
Just crazy shit like that. Speedrunners, they do this thing where they chop down a tree. They use the stasis power, which allows you to build up kinetic energy. They stasis it. Then they hit it with a sword a bunch of times. They jump on top of it. And then once the stasis wears off, it goes flying because the energy has been built up. And they have to jump in just such a way that it knocks them into the air. And they go soaring across the level. And then that saves them time moving for speedrunners. And the game is just full of that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just so much fun. Did you see this news? A dude in France did the very first speedrun completion, 100% completion, in 49 hours. 900 Korok seeds. Every shrine, every boss, every item, fully leveled, beacon it. Everything. 49 hours. With a bunch of breaks, just kidding, no breaks. The dude's crazy. I mean, that's just insane. I saw that. I've been, honestly, for the most part, I've been ignoring as much as I can. Because it's, it's bittersweet? No, no, not because of that, but because I, it's a big open world, and I, I, whenever I do get around to it, I want to be as fresh as possible, yeah. which is a harder task now, but I I just don't look at stuff based on the game, you know. And yeah. I I want to play it. I played a very, very, very tiny bit of it on your Switch, and I yeah. enjoyed it, so. It's fun. It's one of those things, though, like a lot of games, like a lot of open world games, that once you're 10 hours in, it's exponentially more fun than when sure. you first start, once you really understand the system. So anyway, needless to say, pretty close to finishing that game. And and as great as it is, it'll be a relief, because it is a, it is a, a life suck. You know, I can't really do anything else. It's the reason I don't play WoW, you know? Right. Um, and every time I get home, I'm like, I'm going to play this other game. Nope, I end up playing that. And it's really cool. On the Switch, when you have it docked, when you pull up your Pro Controller... You hold down the um, uh, like home button. Everything's turned off, right? You hold it down. All of a sudden, the TV turns on through the HDMI. Like I don't, you don't turn your TV on. TV turns on, flips to the correct video mode. Nintendo Switch turns on, and you're just playing one button on your controller. <laughs> it's just, it's it's great. So that's super like easy. That way, I'm like, yeah. I don't need anything but this. Boop, Zelda, you know. So. Not that I needed that, but it's there. It's a nice feature. So anyway, needless to say, uh, rant aside, uh, that game is phenomenal. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. You think you're going to pick up a Switch at some point? At some point. But like, what is, do you think, like, Christmas? Mm. I don't know. I'm moving... Have I, I don't know if we've officially said that on this podcast. Go ahead. I am moving to Kansas, uh, and it's going to be... I don't know what my financial situation will be like there. Yeah. Uh, not that the podcast is ending or anything no, like that. No, we're going to continue that. Just, I'll be out of state, or, well, in a different state, so, uh, I don't know what I'll be like. Maybe I'll get a Switch. Hopefully I'll be rich in six months for some reason. Yeah. I can buy all the systems. Yeah. I don't even know if you would, though, strangely. <laughs> strangely. I don't know if, if I, if you would. I think you might be like, I think you might, like, if you had a million dollars, I think you might go and, like, be like, PlayStation Pro? Nah, I'll just get the regular one. It is less. I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> but this one costs less money. <laughs> that is true. And it plays all the same games. Um, man, with a million dollars, I could hire the best artists <laughs> to make me look so good. Yeah. Uh, anyway. That's the evil plan has been revealed. You uh, heard it here first. All right, but that's Zelda. Yeah. All Zelda's right. fun, man. Gotta play it. Um, and I'll give my final word on it on the next podcast. I think I'll be done. Yeah, probably. I think uh, you guys know what I'm going to say. <laughs> it rocks. It takes a real real dark turn at the end. Well, here's the thing, right? This year is going to be interesting because it's such an embarrassment of riches. And especially when I... Somehow, not, a, not if you only own an Xbox. <laughs> somehow when I eventually can convince you to get 
either a PlayStation 4 or, or a Switch, then you'll understand this because think about all the great games this year, except for Xbox. We haven't. Even, we don't even know what Fall is going to look like yet. They've I barely know. announced anything. I know. I mean, Destiny 2 is looking really sweet, and that's something you could play when the time comes. And they have actually said we didn't talk about that in news, but Destiny 2, like they've been talking about it. The official game comes out in September, and the release trailer is May 18th. Um, so that'll be interesting to see what they're going to do with that. I've heard some dissenting opinions on the tone um, because – and it's interesting. They show you both sides of the tone in the trailer. I went back and watched and it Thillion, again. I've seen the one where he's all – Yeah, he's like, oh. and there will be loot, that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but And so some people are like, that's lame. Like within the fiction, don't tell me about loot. you know. And then on the other hand though, but they, they address that too because they have the real serious guy. And it's almost like – here are the two sides of our game. So, I, I don't know. I think they did a pretty good job. I've heard people with differing opinions, though. No, that's a tonal thing. I don't think it'll be... It's. I don't think he's going to be in the game going, loot! Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. So, all right. Remains to be seen. I'm excited, though, man. Destiny 2, Luke Smith, who did the Taken King. Taken King is, like, by far, hands down, far and away, the best name out of that game. Second best thing is um, uh, the first raid, and he did that. Like, everything about the game that's great, he did. So... What about um, that year three content? What year three content? Because I don't know <laughs> of what you refer to because there isn't any. Um, <sighs> dude, age of whatever. Oh, that is that's year two ending. Um, yeah, year three content is is like um, the winter solstice event and like they're updating the raids finally, which should have been done a year ago. Anyway, they got nothing. That's why I want to play two. Yeah, sure. I think most people do. All the lessons, right? All the lessons they learned making that's destiny. Ten year plan. <laughs> I'm game. I'm game. I mean, it, you know, whatever. We'll see. They're taking away all of our items, so I don't see how that has anything to do with a 10-year plan, but whatever. I mean, that's just like saying Mass Effect 3, Mass Effect 1, the Mass Effect original trilogy was a 10-year plan. You know what I mean? It's like, you mean those three games they made? It's no, not that's a 10-year what they plan. always meant. Yeah. <laughs> but they always meant. Anyway. Whatever. Uh, well, I guess my big game. Yeah. Um, and give people the background on how much you've anticipated this. I was the, you know, there's a lot of retro revivals out there. Mighty Number no. Nine, Bloodstained, right. Ritual of the Night, right. uh, plenty of other things. But the the one that I got the most excited about by far, I didn't back it because I don't, I haven't actually backed any video game Kickstarters. You I mainly comic back backer, comic yeah. backers, a few board games. Um, but uh, Banjo Kazooie is the game. Really, it is the definitive first 3D game I played. Because I did play Mario 64, but I also got Banjo-Kazooie at the same time. Oh, yeah? Uh, when did, how, what was the release? Uh, how recent to each other? They, they were release? about a year apart, I want to say. A year okay. or two. Maybe two years, even. I got one when Banjo-Kazooie was out. So I got an N64 in about 98, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I freaking loved Banjo-Kazooie. Uh, it, it was just such a fun game and such a great world, and I loved all the, the aesthetic of it and the mm-hmm. platforming. And I like, you know, I've bemoaned it many times on the past before the this game ukulele was even announced. How much I missed 3D platformers as a thing. Uh, it's one of our episodes. I mean, there's a reason I played Pac-Man and the Ghostly Adventures <laughs> because that's what there was. Speaking of which, remind me that there's something that starts with the letters VV that we need to talk about at the end of this. Okay. Uh, but, you know, there was a big... And I've seen a lot of people, well, Nintendo's making those games, and that's true, but Nintendo can't make a thousand of those games. And let's be honest, when you look back, there's a difference between, oh, there's a Mario or a Donkey Kong game every year or so, and you look back where you had games like Sly, Ratchet, Jack, mm-hmm. Vex, Kaya Dark, not Lineage. Mention, I mean, there were dozens of these things. Not to mention, you don't want one flavor of ice cream. 
You don't. If you like a genre or if you like ice cream, you want multiple flavors to enjoy. And there is a very specific way Nintendo makes games. Very. Now, it's a very good way. But it's not what I want every game to be. Yeah, there is a lot of personality that, you know, Nintendo's games all have a similar feel to them. Um, even when the gameplay is different. Uh, Banjo-Kazooie was very unique, and Rare brought a very unique feel to that, Banjo-Tooie and Donkey Kong 64, mm-hmm. uh, that made their games feel different. Now, maybe too collectible uh, Thawney at times. DK64 is way too collectible. Is it heavy. really? What, what? Where does it cross the line? It's just got... the the I, I forget the exact numbers, but it is like, you know, if Banjo-Kazooie was uh, 100%... Banjo 2 is like 120%. DK is like 200%. There's like five different collectible types, and some of them have like 200 of them. And not like feathers, but like collectible, you do a mission to get a thing type mission. Okay. It's just a, it's an overflow of amount of things you have to collect in right. that game to 100% right. it. But, so with the announcement that a bunch of former Rare employees and a bunch of people who'd worked on Banjo-Kazooie were coming together to say, you know what? Uh, the last time Rare did anything with the franchise, it was Nuts and Bolts, which I actually have a soft spot for. It's a decent game. But it's not a Banjo-Kazooie game. What is it? It's a build a car and race them game. But isn't it, you can also jump and run and fly. But not to get collectibles. Okay. So everything, every activity was racing? I mean, there were a few things where you could run around, and there were like a few of the collectibles you could get on foot. But for the most part, it was, hey, here's a challenge, build a car, race this race do this car-based thing. And again, I don't think Nuts and Bolts is terrible, but it's certainly not what Banjo-Kazooie fans want. I just don't know why they did that. Because if they hadn't done that, it could have been a really fun game. Yeah. Now, Rare seemingly was working on something because there was that... that a few, Like, four years ago now, there was that right. leaked wall of E3 games uh-huh. that for the Xbox. Right. And, you know, there was a new Banjo-Kazooie. And I think that is literally the only game on that wall that did not end up coming out. Which was a bummer. So it... it whether Maybe or not it was a hoax lab. or it was a game that they just gave up on developing, um, it might have it might have died in the lab. I mean, a lot of things do. Where the hell is Beyond Good and Evil? Speaking of a similar type of thing, yeah, that'd be another good. I mean, that's more Zelda than platform. True, but uh, it would be a great thing to see come back. Um, you love that one, right? Yeah, Beyond Good and Evil is very good. Yeah. Uh, but the 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 ukulele, just the look of it right away, where they were like, we're gonna make. Project Ukulele, and it's going to be basically Banjo-Kazooie 3, Banjo 3, and it, it th- that was the promise, and they showed stuff off, and obviously it made gangbusters money, because any retro revival is going to make an insane amount of money. Uh, not AAA budget levels of money, but, but enough a money. a couple mil. Yeah, you know, the, the a profitable amount to, to make your game. Especially uh, with a developing team of 20, as opposed to 200. And, you know, the game got bigger, and they are like, we're going to be able to add more worlds, and uh, it got delayed a few times. There were a few um, things that irked people about it. Like, instead of updating the Kickstarter backers with news, at one point they were like, we're going to do a cover story on IG- uh, uh, for, for Game Informer. Um, and I, for that, I don't fault them, because that's the way to get your stuff the most impact immediately. Kickstarter, if you, if you sit out a Kickstarter update, it is the sort of project where news sites have at least some form of backing to be able to see that news or whatever. Um, so I understand that. And then uh, they obviously they canceled, canceled the Wii U version, which bummed a lot of people out. But I, How many possibly could be bummed out? There's only 5.5 million Wii U's out there. And of that portion... I mean, you and know, a lot of people wanted to play it on a Nintendo system because that's where the games came from. Which is coming still. Yeah, but you know that's a big thing because that's what much. they offered. Right. 
they offered the ability to like switch it out and get that or get another version. But you know, some people, a lot of people who have a Wii U don't have a Switch. Right, yet. right. And it's another four hundred dollar investment, pretty much. They want to play the game right now. now. Um, and then a couple weeks beforehand, the reviews started coming out, and it was an eclectic mix of reviews, to say the least. Low is a two out of ten. High is a perfect score. So well, who had the perfect score? I don't remember off the okay, top of my wow. head. Wow. Um, That's crazy. That blows my mind. But the point is... I saw, is, like, roughly sevens is what I thought I saw. Um, but basically, it gave this impression of a game that you either loved it or you hated it. Mm-hmm. Um, or you were not bothered by it, whatever. Uh, so, I was a little trepidatious, but I, the general sense of it I got was they did what they set out and promised to do, is they made Banjo 3... Now, they made it, in a lot of people's mind, as if it was coming out in 2002, as opposed to coming out in 2017. Um, But, you know, it seemed like the people that loved it were people who were okay with some of the issues that a lot of other people had. Camera issues, no map, um, confusing worlds, um, a few janky gameplay elements. And, you know, a lot of those things are there. A lot of them I disagree with. But on the whole, for me personally... Uh, ukulele has been just instant game of the year material for me. That, that blows my mind. I, why is that so surprising? Um, because it's so only I guess <clears throat> putting myself in your perspective of what you've had exposure to playing, only having an Xbox One this year, it's not <laughs> as surprising. Not, okay, no, I don't no, no, think honestly, that's... No, no, I'm not saying that as a derogatory way at all. Uh, I think I understand that... why you would love this game, but. It's just that when I when I put it um, back to back, head to head, with other games like a Horizon Zero Dawn, I know you can't play that, but and haven't played that. But like, for it to be in the same conversation even as those kind of games is is surprising. That does not mean that I don't think that that a 3D platformer or even ukulele could be in that. Uh, you know, it's just a different genre, and it's doing. And if something does that genre well, that's just as impressive as say Persona Five. But when games like Persona Five are out, and I know you would love the shit out of that, it's hard for me to. Well, I think it's unfair to say just because I I can't play all the PS4 games, I would. I, I think this would still be in that conversation. It's possible. It, it I, is just. It's it, okay. Let me say this. That surprises me. That. I guess it doesn't. I don't know. It's it's just it's surprise. Surpri- I didn't think years I was years of wanting these games. I, I didn't man. think I was gonna. That's why I asked you to give the the intro. It's important the context. But I just didn't think it was possible for this. I don't know when there's that much hype, when there's that much anticipation, when there's a twenty person team making it. It certainly got timbered a little with those review. Yeah, ones, but yeah, that's true. I don't know. I just didn't expect you to like it this much and and say it like in the same breath as like uh, the way you like some certain other games. That's all. It surprises me. Fair enough, but no, for me, I think it is an extremely fun 3D platformer built around getting new moves, finding collectibles, opening new worlds, exploring a hub. It it does everything that fans of this genre have wanted for a long time that just doesn't get made anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, even in Nintendo, because Nintendo doesn't really do hub worlds anymore. They haven't really since Sunshine had a big open map hub that you can go around. However, they're saying Odyssey's going to be. Yeah, they're just saying Odyssey, which is exciting. But, you know, a lot of their games have gone down to, oh, here's a map screen, Super Mario 3 right. style, right. move around it. right. And that's not to say there's anything wrong with that, but it does tamper a sense of progression when you're just going level to level. And in this, you get new abilities that you can go back to earlier levels with, kind of like a Metroidvania game, and and unlock new things. Um, And I don't want this to fully be like a defense against the critics, but I do think, what I'll say at at the... I do think that there are issues with this game, and I don't want to seem like someone who's like, no, I don't want it... You know, I don't want it to change, or I don't think it could use upgrades, or, or that... You know, but... 
it is the game they promised to make. And right. I, I think that is, for me, coming into it, I am someone who played Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo-Tooie just a couple years ago and mm-hmm. still loved the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, now, are there problems? Yeah, the camera needs work. Uh, it it has this the the issue with the camera is really where a lot of games will have environments or walls that will go transparent when you rotate the camera around them. Mm-hmm. This does not. The camera will hard stop on yeah. a wall. It will hard stop on a box on the ground if you're standing in front right. of it and kind of whip around or right. do what it needs to and freak out. And that's that's kind of an issue where it's like well, let's fix that somehow. Um, especially when you can you can see the world. <laughs> it's not like they're super hidden, especially in the later stages where you can like look out at the vast expanse towards where the, you know, the texture wall is. Well, that's um, the thing, right? There is some jankiness to the game. It's not... When you compare... Let me give you an example. When you compare this game with Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, obviously that team that game had a huge team that this game didn't have. But the problem is that I can tell. And not just because I knew it. Maybe because I knew it, but I certainly could tell. So I, I also got this game. I played the first world, uh, and I've gotten maybe 20 pages or something like that, maybe 15. Um, and then I went to the second world, and I started working on maybe five more there in the snow world, which can be frustrating a little bit, that snow world. It's slippery and, and tricky, and you fall in the water, and you're really far from where you just were. That's a little frustrating. But anyway, um, for when I first got the game, and this, again, I probably wouldn't have done this if it had been made by Rare, but because it was made by Playtonic, and I sort of knew that I'd heard there were little camera issues beforehand and certain stuff like that, I immediately started jumping on things, because it always impresses me that characters, when they walk in a video game, like... They're actually not really touching the ground. It's like you have to simulate that. So I was like, I wonder if like they got it so that like when this character jumps on this rock, let's say, that their feet touch the rock properly, and they don't in this game. I don't. You know? see, that's such a minor, pointless thing to be. I don't know. Bugged it's, by. I, I, yeah, maybe, maybe. But I just feel like when I when I'm watching this game, I just wish. I don't know. I, and also, the combat is really. I mean, the, really boring. I don't I mean, think this is... A, you don't buy these games for combat, I, know, I don't but when think. I, I think there are more... to be fun hitting it. I don't know. There's more combat-focused games, but to me, this is a puzzler or, you know, solve little mm-hmm. fun platforming challenges type of game. Yeah, I don't it, think... The combat yeah. in Banjo-Kazooie isn't that exciting. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I just feel like the, the... And I haven't played enough of it to fully give my thoughts on it, but I just feel like the mechanics of it are a little bit janky. The way you hit stuff, the hitboxes... The um, when I do, I'm, I get frustrated by certain events. Like I'm, I'm, I'm sliding, and it's like it, it's a little funny. It's just a little unrefined for my taste, and I've just gotten frustrated by certain parts. There's a few things like that, like I said. But uh, yeah. for me, a lot of the issues people have had with the game. Let me, you know, let me talk about why it's good. It yeah. is a game where you've got fun, creative, colorful worlds and characters. Yeah. Um, that really does emulate Banjo-Kazooie from the noise talking. You know, very much direct analogs to Banjo-Kazooie collectibles. Uh, you know, feather quills are music notes. Pages are uh, jinkies. Uh, Ghost Riders are Jinjos. Uh, there's a you know someone who turns you into a creature that can do other puzzles. It's interesting. You know, it's got yeah. everything I like that, part. Uh, that you would expect. And you know, they're cool, updated, new versions of that. It's got a character. Rextro, who lets you play these little arcade games, and they're not the best. Those, are, that's one of the things that people have complained about is that the arcade games are kind of meh. They're all right. I've, I've only played two, and they're all right. They're 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 pretty. Yeah, they're there. Uh, getting the top, you know, it's more yeah, getting the top. Getting the top one can be a tough thing. Uh, the second one is just, is more just kind of there in terms of being able to do it very easily. But like like you're talking about the one that simulates uh, the off road. Um, the racing one where you race around a little track. Yeah, that one's tough to get the, the top score. The top I score. can get the medium score, but the top score is really hard. Yeah. 
Um, and it can be frustrating when those little dudes shoot you off the side and that kind of stuff. Yeah, frustrating but it's, in a similar way. It's practice in a very 64 era. Now, is that... See, again, I don't want to be like, it's 64, get good. I'm not that at all. I think it could have been more fun to make a more updated, polished, tight version of that. But it's such a small part of the game that even if you didn't want... Like, a lot of these things are things where it's like, if you were going for a completionist you know, fully finish the game thing, then, yeah, it would be frustrating to have to do these. But you don't even have to do that. And uh, one of the big critiques I've seen is just how, you know, ludicrous it is to get to the final boss, where it's like, uh, that's you just... need a hundred pages. And it's like, well, yeah, but I think, you know, realistically, yeah. you could get to the final boss with, or get to that door with about maybe 30 or so. No, no, maybe a little more. Maybe 50. about 40. Yeah. But, but, you know, I when I first got to that door, I was already at, 87 pages so to me it's like oh i need to just go get 13 more i don't know i, I th- from my point of view it's this is a collect-a-thon game you make you make an excellent point and if you're actively trying to rush the game why did you even like the point is to go and do small challenges exactly. and get pages and explore these worlds that's the thing about it right to say that you you can't get to the final boss what does that final boss have that you even want if you don't like the collecting like you know what i mean like what do you want to get through that door for What's the fucking point? If you haven't enjoyed collecting stuff, you shouldn't be playing this game. I mean, and there's plenty to get. There's 145 pages. You need 100. That's, you know, you need two-thirds of them to be able to finish right. the game. Right. That is that is there are plenty of games that are more egregious in their percentile of stuff you have it, to do. It, it is a symptom, a small symptom, sometimes of game reviewer-itis. When you're a game reviewer, unfortunately, you have to finish a game in a week or whatever. And they race through it, and the things that wouldn't normally be frustrating become frustrating. This has happened with ReCore. Now, ReCore was also egregious in that you had 60 and you needed like 120 to get to the final boss. Same problem, interestingly. And it was also a you know a game with like a slightly smaller development team and was a little rushed. Um but it's something that happens with reviewers, you know. And with you, when you're when you're kicking back and like you know going on a trip through nostalgia land and you're yeah. collecting, and and, and it's a different a approach, right? I mean, I had I had 22 of the 25 pages in, um, the first world as almost as soon as I could. The only ones I have left to get are for collecting the last um, quills and uh, for things I just didn't have the ability for yet. And that kind of goes back to another thing where a lot of people have complained about the worlds. And uh, you you shared this a little yeah, bit. Of I was disoriented. Being disorienting and hard to keep track of where you're at. And for me, I didn't find that because I didn't think to start, I mean, because you can expand the world. Um, Which I didn't do for that reason. I didn't want it to be too big and overwhelming. I wanted to do everything I could and then that, And that's it. what I've been doing. But I, I think, you know, they're very much, I think, centralized hubs for the most part. Capital Casino is probably my least favorite in terms of layout because it's kind of a two-tiered where you're down on the ground and then they're up on top of casino tables that's a bit disorienting mm-hmm. so far. It was an experiment they made, they took that just didn't quite pay. Uh, but it's a cool theme and, you mm-hmm. know, there's yeah, still that, some... That's the most interesting theme to me. Yeah, it also added this unnecessary layer on top of things where um, to get pages you have to, like, go and do the, the slot machines and all the different challenges you do instead of giving you pages they give you coins that you can then turn into the, the banker to get pages which is kind of a weird unnecessary yeah, layer on don't, top don't of don't do that the game is already um, ridiculous there's a page sitting in a fucking cage and you do a puzzle and the cage pops open you don't that's already completely breaks every wall you know what i mean like you don't need to fucking try to make it like a little realistic that you go trade in your chips so I, good, good idea bad clever. execution right right um 
But yeah, for me so far, the worlds have been very clear. It's very easy. I think the the quills do a good job of guiding you to where you have been or haven't been. Mm-hmm. And because quills pretty much lead right to new challenges, and then it's yeah. very easy to get up on top of monuments or whatever because there's always like around. a high point. You're right. And kind of it, idea it, everything. It does that. Like I was saying, the issue that I had was with certain again topography where. I'm looking at like this this grassy hill and it looks like a lot of other grassy hills. Like for example, when you're running around like in, in the first area, there's a track that you race around with the cloud dude. Um, when you race through that track, like that whole track, like I don't really know where I am. The, the, there's very little differentiation of the areas. I feel like it just could have used another layer of level design where it could have just more clearly telegraphed where I am when. And the other part of that, uh, also when you're trying to collect stuff when you're doing that race. Like, you'll jump right where that fucking, like, power-up is, and you'll miss it. And it's really frustrating. Little things like that would happen. But that's another point. The, this point is, so, like, I remember I was trying to do the one in that first level, and anybody who's played the beginning part of this game will remember this. So there's this little area where, you know, you have to do the slide thing. You, you hit a, you hit a, like, a switch, and then you have 15 seconds to do something where you roll in a ball, and you slide on these little, like, it's almost like a pinball machine around a hill to get to where this pagey is but i just missed it five times in a row and i was like i'm so frustrated by this i'm just i'm gonna move on and do something else i did and then i was like all right i'm gonna try that again because i because i felt like something was unfinished it was bothering me so i go back i'm a completionist so i go back to try to do it and i can't find it for like five ten minutes and i found it eventually you know i realized where i was but that area is just very circular and very um, non-distinct in some ways, so I had that issue. I, I know I you know. said you I just, finished I feel stuff. like they're not that big. I think they are mm-hmm. sizable, and I like that these... How about a little map, though? I don't, I don't know. I, a little mini-map. Again, map. it's the sort of thing that could be there, but I personally haven't found it necessary, and that's mm-hmm. a lot of the things where I get why people do have some of the issues. Um, I disagree with the boss door thing, and I disagree with the um, world being confusing thing, but, you know, a mini-map wouldn't hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, slightly better controls. Fix that camera. Uh, slightly, yeah. there are some things that are, I think, um, some puzzles are a little cheatable, which I haven't mounted personally, but there are some that you can get around because of the way the jumping works where you can like just, you know how in a lot of things it's like, oh, this is just high enough that I can't get there. Yeah. In this, I think they were going for that, but it's possible to like get Edge there. it over. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and kind of overcome things, but it hasn't been to the point where it's been that big a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in fact, I know there was one area where I'm, it's not high enough to jump. At the very beginning of the ice world, like behind you, there's a ledge, and it's not high enough to jump at all. But I, I, I like flutter jumped into a fire, and the fire punched me up onto the ledge. So that's pretty cool. That's not the sort of it thing. Was a lucky that was probably accident. intentional. But... It was a lucky accident. Um, another thing too, um, that's that's odd. So I had heard what I remember something. I'll bring it up. Okay. So I was I was when I was reading reviews about this before it came out, people had said you can go to all the different levels in any order. And I didn't find that to be true. Am I missing something? Mm, no, you're you're not missing anything. Because I went can't. to the first level, and then I went and I did a most of it. And then I went and did and to get to the next level. I had to go through a quiz show, and that quiz show was all questions about the level that I had to have beaten. So how is that possible that you could go to other levels? Well, it also has questions about your game time that you can't know unless you had quit out already to see your game time. No, but I assume that when they talk about what was the first no, there's a lot of quizzes that ask about that stuff. Uh, it's linear. I mean, it's linear in as far as opening stuff, because in order to get to the next... After the second world, uh, to to get 
uh, trousers to give you the free move that'll let you progress, you need to have beaten the world boss. Of two. Of two. And then you have to beat the world boss of three for him to show up, four, so on. And it's completely linear. There's yeah. No, there's no choose-your-own-level shit. There's choose-it-in-terms-of... There's choose whether of, you expand it now or later. Yeah, expanding it now or later. Really, I mean, it's Not true, of, actually. Two, you have to expand, you said. Uh, to fight the boss, yeah. And therefore, move on. Yeah, but after that, it is pretty open in terms of... Because the bosses have all been in the first part Except of the levels. For, yeah. Uh, so it's just... Uh, you know, it's a little linear, but so is Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah. It, it was, there, there's natural I'm cool with that. I was just surprised that people had said that you can go to any level you want whenever you want. I was like, no, you totally can't. And I was a little confused by that because I was like, am I missing like a whole section of this hub world at first? Like, am I just – I'm going off to the left. Maybe there's a right as well. And maybe there is. I just don't know. How does it work? So you're in that first area. There's a lot of shortcuts you can open up that okay. speed up your ability to get Kind of like it. dropping ladders in, in other games. Yeah. Um, it'll like be doors Souls, you open yeah. or abilities that let you get around it that you get later. You know, and it, it's not super big. Um, but yeah, I for me, uh, you know, a lot of it is nostalgia because I do love this sure. genre so much. I'm excited for A Hat in Time, which is another game like this that's coming out later this year that was kickstarted. I really want to get Voodoo Vince Remastered that that's just dropped. That's the VV. Oh, okay, yeah. That was the VV. Are you going to get that? Probably, yeah. That looks amazing. I, I cannot believe that in that game... You do shit to yourself to hurt other people because you're a voodoo doll. Yeah. How cool is that? It's very cool. And it looks beautiful. And that's what I never played because it was an Xbox exclusive. I'd take a Blinks remaster too. I, you know, there are yeah. a lot of games like this. They um, need. I'd play Cameo again, although I think it's backwards compatible now, but I really want to play that. Um, Cameo was fun. Um, I love 3D platformers too. I totally do. I think one of the disconnects too, I like collecting stuff a lot, but I think I always liked other platformers more than Banjo-Kazooie. I liked it, but at the same time, I was never, like, obsessed with it. And I think that's maybe the difference. Some people really like that, whereas I'm more... I was more into other games, other platforms. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think with this, you know, there's so much about it. The music, you know, Grant Kirkhope music, which is just... Like, some of the themes are just... Close your eyes and play them back to back. I don't know that I could fully distinguish which is a Banjo track and which is a Yuka mm-hmm. track. The way the characters are designed, the look of the world... It... It is a perfect hit of nostalgia that I feel is updated enough to still be fun and exciting. Now, they've said they want to make it better. They've released patches already. They have more that they want to do because it's like, you know, we understand and we want it to be the best We're game. We're a small it. team, right? We did as much yeah. as we could. Um, another thing, talk about aspirations. I was listening to an interview with the Platonic uh, creative director. He wants to do his own universe. They're one game in, but that isn't stopping their dreaming. They're thinking, we want to do our version of Perfect Dark next. We want to do our version... They want to do Yuka 2, like, immediately, if they can, which maybe they will be able to with the Kickstarter success, and hopefully it'll sell some copies as well. I Kickstarter again. I bought it. I right. didn't Kickstarter. I bought it full price. Right, right. But then again, yeah, at that point... Oh, really? oh right, right. That's right. Me too. Me too. I went out and picked up a copy. Uh, I got the hard copy, actually. Um... And uh, and then they want to do, like, eventually have made so many games and so many different genres, but all in this Platonic universe, and then make, like, their version of Super Smash. Which I think when I first told you that, you were like, I'm game. I am! I don't know. <laughs> I think, you know, uh, N64 is what I came up on. Right. So I don't mind things that call back to that era, and just, I think, not, not because it's retro, I just think it is a fun game. I think it's something you have to try out for yourself, because even retro people have been split on it. I've seen some who like it, some who don't, so... Yeah, I just think that once they make number two, 
I just want more polish. I just think that everything about it is a little unpolished. Like the tonics system. It's just not that well thought out. You you do these different achievements to earn the tonics. There's nowhere to look and see how far along you are in the achievements. There's once you do get the tonic, you can only use one at a time, and there are certain ones that would be really nice to have like two at a time or something. It's just it's very limited and and, and it's odd not choices. super expandable, but I find the core so fun that I, I just haven't yeah. minded that. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. Um, I hear you. So for me, ukulele is everything. I really honestly like it is the game when they first announced it that I would have wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. If ukulele is more polished, ooh, is that what it's gonna be called? I would assume. Yeah, like, it's it'd perfect. Be perfect. Uh, if the sequel is more polished, all's the better. Um, I want to go back to this world. I want to finish up my time in it now yeah. to completion. How are so, you? Where are you in it now? Not far. I mean, like I said, I've got about 80... It's either 84 or 88 pages. I can't remember exactly which. Because uh, I forget if I was at 87 and needed 13 or at 83 and needed yeah. 17. And I've gotten one since then. Um, but all the worlds are unlocked. I could go ahead and expand them all. I have all the upgrades. So it's just a matter of exploring and... Having fun while I can, because it's 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 all too all too brief. I mean, I'm, I've already put I think twelve hours in. Yeah. Um, and it'll be over before I know it, sadly. So I'm just enjoying it while I can. What do you think about replayability? Um, I, it's a game I could come back to I, later. Like, like, yeah, I wouldn't play it again right away. What about Tui? Did you finish Tui? Banjo Tui? Yeah. Uh, yeah, a while ago. How I mean, is Tui? Way back. I honestly prefer Banjo Kazooie because I feel Banjo Tui is a bit big in scope and I, I now that's where i have a problem getting lost in terms of what you can do i think they actually polished a lot of that issue from banjo too because the worlds are so big and diverse and there are jiggies you need to do something in one world to unlock it in another Ooh. and there are paths yeah. between the worlds that you have to it's it is a very intense that doesn't sound very kid friendly oh no it was not <laughs> but i did it yeah. Back then. Uh, wow. I probably could now. I just... I, I played Banjo-Kazooie, and then I started Tui, and... It was enough. I was, I was enough. But yeah. I, I'll probably go back to it now and stop or too soon, because yeah. it was enough. Yeah. But yeah. we'll see. No, but right. Ukulele, I think if you are at all someone who was excited for this game, you definitely should try oh, it. Oh, I hope it sells Regardless well of the reviews, because I... if, if, the, if you enjoyed these games in the past, better than not, you're likely to like this one. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. Okay, cool. Um, it's just hard for me to. It's hard for me to. You know, I, I understand how much you like it. It's hard for me to believe that you can. It's even comparable with something like a Persona Five. You know what I mean? But um, speaking of that, um, that's what I've been playing. So I've played. I played a couple other things. I played some ukulele. I picked that up and played it. Oh, um, go ahead. Is this your last like big thing yeah. before we wrap up? I'll throw no, no, out. No, no, no. Go ahead. Oh well, I'll quickly throw out. I, I have been. I have played the first three chapters of Rise: Son of Rope. Oh, really? Because it was free. Okay. That's a janky game. That game's sick. What are you talking about? It's been years since I played it. It uh, it's kind of cool. You can tell they were trying to be like, this is the new gen, so we're gonna try this new color coded. We're gonna really like play up color coding of of the hits and types of moves. Uh huh. Where's um, the janky part? That shit hits I like found a rock. A very, very, that hits like a rock. I found a replicable uh, bug that I think you could use in l- any any instance of this thing coming up to break the world and just run around the outer bounds area. Really? Yeah, I could show it to you in five seconds, probably. We'll have to do that after this. Really? Um, yeah, right, just, just the thought. Let me just tell you. Speak. You want to talk joy of gaming. Just the thought of you putting on Rise Rome just like got me a little bit excited. There like, is... I like that game so much. Just the, just the idea of that game. Crytek just saying, 
motherfucker, we are going to make this beautiful game for the Xbox launch. It is going to be, like, the prettiest game you ever saw. And, oh, wait, it's still the prettiest game. It's gorgeous. Well, I'm, I'm guessing here, but I think I figured out what happened. There is a... There, there are parts in Rise of Son of Rome where there's bridges, right? Mm-hmm. That you have to cut a rope and they will fall down. Right. Um, the very first one I came across, though, I was just, like, swinging at it from, like, in front of the bridge. And when mm-hmm. I hit it, I just... The, the, the bridge smacked me in the head and knocked me down into the out-of-bounds area. Uh-huh. And I just kind of ran around until I, like, fell through a non-existent floor was looking up at the world above me. I was in the void. And then I restarted and I immediately replicated it. And what I think it is is... So the bridge is held up, right, by a rope. But I think what's actually happening is there is an invisible wall there, uh-huh. and that when you cut it, the invisible wall disappears to let the bridge fall, but but in that second when the wall is gone, you can actually run through and fall out of Interesting. bounds. Interesting. It sounds like you've been watching too much uh, boundary break. Well, right? no. I, I mean, he he has a magic camera that lets him like break... He, he goes into the code. But this is just a very easily replicable bug that you could just slip through no, the world. No, but just your understanding of, of invisible walls seems to have... Grown. I mean, it's just a guess. I don't know Seems if that's what's happening. Grown. It's probably what's happening. And made you groan. It's you know what? It's solidly fun. It seems very it is short. Fun. It is short because I'm dude, like chapter a, three freaking, of eight. After there's a freaking level up system with power ups and power increases. The freaking uh, melee combat's great. The uh, the graphics are great. The story is really great. That game's great. It's there. All I'll right. probably play more of it. But I bet yeah, you just will. a brief thing because I found that a very funny happening in Rise, Dude. Son of Rome. Rise rules. I love how uh, how histrionic that game is. It's so intense. Is there gonna be a sequel? Rise some more. There's not gonna be anything. Man. Keep Crytek is like. What is Crytek doing nowadays? Crisis Four. Are they? I have no idea. What is the last thing they did even? Rise, Son of Rome. <laughs> no, is that true? Hold on, let's it's see what been, Crytek's doing. It's here. only been three years, so. Um... All right, here we go. Crytek. Oh, I'm, I got back into Candy Crush pretty hard. Dude, uh, Soda don't Saga. do that. I'm in the 680s. Don't do that. In the 680s. That's silly. That's silly, dude. All right, here we go. Um, Crisis 3. Homefront the Revolution was their latest. Oh, they're, wow, that's worse than Rise. I can't I'll believe that, that was them. Um, let's see here. Um, restructuring. In June 2014, reports service that Crytek had missed wage payments and withheld benefits for Crytek UK and USA. Crytek USA was restructured to remain an engine support team while def- development of Hunt, Horrors of the Gilded Age, was transferred to Crytek. This sounds like another uh, version of that game. Remember we were so excited about The Order 1886? This reminds me of that kind of game. You weren't you were. for that? I wasn't, no. You look good. Um, all right. Anyway, Hunt, Horrors of the Gilded Age looks pretty... Oh, it's... Fuck, it's a free-to-play. <laughs> all right, mind. Persona 5. Never mind. So what have you heard about Persona 5? That it's very good. Yes. Have you seen the meme where people take the, uh, the, uh, the the user the user interface, like the battle interface, and put it on everything? I have not. So they take a dog head, and they, with, like a dog with a knife in its mouth, and they put up like, fight, gun, magic, you know what I mean, like that? And they do it for everything. There's one of uh, um, Samuel L. Jackson holding the gun in Pulp Fiction, and it's got like all the options next to him. Everybody's doing it. It's all over the internet. So everybody likes to say that game is the most stylish game ever. It is. It's very stylish. The the story is really good. The thing that blows me away about it is, so I love, to give you my background, I never played Persona 3. I heard tons about it because I'm a big RPG fan, um, but I'm more of an afar RPG fan. Like I'll play once in a while, play one all the way through and really love it, like Final Fantasy X or 13 or Persona Golden. 
Um, but generally speaking, like, I'll just look into these games a lot and find out, like, everything about Eternal Sonata except for playing it. You know what I mean? Same thing with um, Lost Odyssey. Like, I love that game in theory. I loved reading everything about that game, but I didn't really love playing a ton of it. It just kind of got a little, I don't know, old. Um, same thing with Blue Dragon. So I, I love a lot of RPGs from afar. There's very few, though, that I really dive in and play 100 hours of. Persona 4 Golden was one of those. Uh, Persona 4 Golden is... It's it's phenomenal. I mean, that game is it transcends its genre. It's amazing. It's I mean, you played it, right? Not golden, but I, I played Persona Four. Yeah, it's and, my, well, I think it was my it's my second favorite game of all time. Yeah, I, I appreciate Persona Four. Okay, good. I'm so, I've been forgetting that it's your second favorite game of all time because of how little effort you put in to play Five so far. But anyway, I don't have a PS4. Get a PS3. For I don't $50. want to play it on a PS3. All right, all right. Because of graphics? No, just because you know it's made for the PS4. All right. So anyway, um, I love Persona 4 Golden. It's an amazing game. The story is great. It has like three huge ending reveals. Um, it's all about finding out who the murderer is in this TV world. I mean, I just love that game. The thing that makes it, though, and I think you'll agree, is the characters, right? The story and the characters. Yeah. Um, I also love the combat. I think the combat is just stellar in that game. Um, I would just... I, I, I love... Being, and another thing I do in RPGs is I get OP as hell. Like, I like to level and level and level until the end boss is not that hard. That's just, like, the way I play them. I love doing that. Um, I don't like... Cause, you know, and I once had a really bad experience. I was playing Rogue Legacy. I think that's what it's called. No. Rogue Galaxy. Mm. And I got to a point, and it's never happened to me before and never since, where I literally was save-locked into a dungeon I couldn't defeat. And I was like, this is not ever happening again. This is not ever... So I always level, level, level before I move on. So... So far, I've been playing Persona 5, and man, is it fun. It's really, it's very different than Persona 4 in that the main protagonist is, he's kind of, he comes in one down. He starts the story as this kid who uh, witnessed a woman being raped, and he stopped it, and he fought back against the person who was raping her, and that person was a wealthy and important and prominent member of society, um, filed a lawsuit against him for assault and won because he had a lawyers in power. Uh, and the kid went to like juvie and then he got shipped away from his parents to like be taken care of. So anyway, the game starts, you see all that happen, you flash back to it. Game also starts with this really great um, flash forward mechanism, uh, framing action, framing device, where you flash forward to the future when you see yourself running this sick heist with a mask on and you're, you're a phantom thief. Um, and you're like running it through a casino, trying to steal stuff. You're you're trying to escape from the casino and get away. And you get caught. And then these real sickos are like torturing you, like some cop sick cops. And then this woman comes in and says, "I need a minute with him." And she starts interrogating you. And that's the framing mechanism. And it brings you back to the beginning, mm-hmm. back when you were then sent away from your home because of this this averted rape scenario. And you're staying with this guy named Sojiro, and he hates your guts. He apparently got a payoff to let you stay with him. So he, he runs a little coffee shop called LeBlanc, and he just talks shit to you all the time. He's like, you better not get in any trouble because I am not bailing you out. Or you, you're just a troublemaker. You're worthless. And that kind of stuff constantly to, to your character. Same thing at school. You go to school, everyone's – the teacher you get assigned to is like, why me? Did I have to have the troublemaker? I mean it's really weird. Um, the kids in class, except for like the people you start to bond with quickly, are all like, oh my god, he's a criminal. What did he do? Blah, blah, blah. But really brilliantly, they use this one-down mentality and feeling to then show you – to really like – instantly inject you into the drama 
of what's going on at the school. And this is just the very beginning part, so I'm not ruling anything. There's this guy. His name is Kamashida. And he is abusing the students. There's no other way to put it. And then, you know, you, you, you see that he's doing this. Um, your first little, uh, your first friend, Ryuji, um, he was a track star. But uh, Kamashira comes to this, came, when he came to the school a couple years back, he, like, was a substitute for the track team. He broke your friend Ryuji's leg because he was the track star because Kamashita was a volleyball guy, really, and he wanted to start a volleyball team. Basically, the long story short, he's ruling the school with basically with his, like, fame and stature because he's a winner at volleyball. And he's got – and every one of his students on his volleyball team are, like, bruised and they have Band-Aids on and they're all fucked up. And everyone's like, it's okay. It's just Kamashita. He's a winner. He knows how to win. And if it gets a little rough, we can overlook it, etc. And then it's just escalating. But no matter how much it escalates – you can't do anything about it, and everyone like, he, and then finally he's like, "I'm going to expel you guys. You guys are out of here because you keep confronting him about shit." Well, th- because you're sort of one down, you really understand how bad it feels when there's somebody in power who, you know, gets to put you down even though you're the righteous one. And so it very well like brings you into the story. It, it really pulls you into the narrative. And then you know, obviously you met Ryuji, your friend, and then you meet this girl. And then Morgana is the little version of what was the little dude's name? Humpty Dumpty dude. Igor. Other... No, no, no. Igor is in this, but no. Oh, the... Humpty Dumpty. Teddy. Teddy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Teddy. So in this one, there's a little cat named Morgana, and this it is just as cute and sweet as Teddy. I mean, just as great a character. And um, she's a little cat, and she stays in your backpack when you walk around town, and she's awesome. But anyway, it, it's just immediately the story grabbed me and, and pulls me in. And so then what you have to do and what this game is going to task you with doing over time is before you're expelled in 12 days, that's the deadline, you have to go into his heart palace and steal his heart, Kamashita's heart, because that'll take away all of the evil and sick desires that he has in his heart um, to corrupt the world. So you go into his palace and steal his treasure. I haven't gotten that far, so I don't know what the treasure is yet, but I'm in there fighting all the personae, personas, I think they call them in this. And I just forgot how fun the combat is in those games. I forgot how fun it is. And I did it used to be in the in Persona Four that you actually have to like talk to the personas and convince them to join you? I forgot. No, that is a Shin Megami mechanic, but it was not in Persona. What 4. did you do in Persona to get them to join you? You just got the cards, the Arcana chance at the end where the cards would go by. And... Oh yeah. That's right. So in this one, you have to convince them. Yeah. And it's pretty fun. There's four different archetypes, like gloomy, um, uh, frantic. I, I don't know. There's like four different archetypes. They're a little bit different than what you'd think. They're not like happy, sad. They're, they're a little more interesting than that. But you have to – like each of the archetypes of, of, of shadows have like different things they like, and you got to convince them to join you. But I just forgot how much fun it is fighting in that game. That one mechanic that really makes it is the um, – all-out attack mechanic, right? Uh-huh. Is the one where if you learn the weaknesses of the enemies, you're always working to have them all knocked down. So if you use a weakness of an enemy, it knocks the enemy to the ground. And once every enemy is knocked to the ground or defeated and there's, and there's only remaining enemies that are knocked down, you then have options. And that's where you can choose to talk. If you haven't gotten that persona yet, you can try to use your silver tongue and get the persona to join your team. You can ask them for an item if you need healing bad. 
or you can do an all-out attack. So what, what ends up happening in practice is you're always working to get them all knocked down. The first time, if you don't have that persona yet, you talk to them and get them to join your team. But anytime you fight a persona you've already fought before, it's all-out attack time. So you're always trying to knock them all down and do all-out attack. And it's just such a fun thing. It, I remember it never got old in Persona 4, and it is not getting old now. It is so fun. So I'm just cruising through that place, looking at every nook and cranny. In this, and it's one of, I think, eight palaces. And this, and I've already played the game like 15, 20 hours, and I'm on the first palace. I mean, it's a huge it's a long game. game. Yeah. And I just... The idea that I'm going to unco- uncover at least eight different guys with as deep and interesting a story as the Kamashita story, um, and and get to like explore their inner psyches and their dreams and their desires and then subvert those for the greater good. Um, plus, there's this whole meta narrative going on about these secret agents and they've got you, you know, in jail. And then this woman, you don't know her motivations, the one who's interrogating you. It, it's just narrative on top of narrative on top of intriguing characters on top of great combat i mean everyone knew this game was going to be awesome it's it's just as good as everybody says um and i've just started it so even all i i know once i have a team of six to eight people to hang out with i'm only hanging out with two other people and, and morgana now imagine when i have people like um uh that punk dude from the other game that i loved so much kanji kanji right i loved him you know and then Risei. I mean, these characters are just so memorable and amazing. And uh, what was the um, um, little bit athletic girl's name? Chie? Man, you know them all. Yeah. Yes, Chie. I, I did do. Yeah. Did you ever play the other Persona 4 stuff, like Dancing All Night or uh, Well, I haven't played Dancing All Night. I think I wouldn't really enjoy it. I, I did play Persona 4 Arena, not the sequel Ultimax. No, actually, I did. I did play both. Uh, I didn't finish. Black Friday, right? Ultimax. Yeah. And then, because I have the full tarot deck over there, mm. uh, and I've got Persona Q was super fun. I oh, just, you played that? Yeah, I just I, when I traded to the new 3DS, I lost all the map data, and it oh, me out. that'll ruin it. Yeah, but yeah, of course, I, I've I played pretty much everything Persona 4 uh, that I could, with the exception of the Vita exclusive Dance All Night. Right. Um, but anyway, I mean, this game is as good as you would think it is. Um, I just can't wait to play more of it. So what I've been doing is, and I was joking with my friend about this, um, literally I switch between video 3 and video 4 on my TV. And I just go boop, and there's Persona 4, or I go hold down that home button on the Zelda, and then Zelda pops up. And I've just been alternating. And once Zelda's finished, I'll be alternating between Persona 5 and Horizon, because that game, I just started the very little beginning of it, and it's so good. And it's one of those games that, you know, in the... In the review cycle, I listen to a lot of podcasts. In the review cycle, things fall off the radar. You know, people just, like a game like Horizon, it kind of is the type of game that would get washed out under under the, you know, the waves of everything else because of Nier coming out and Neo being such a big deal and Yakuza. And then also Zelda, right? Everybody's talking about Zelda and it, it was just the kind of game that can wash over Horizon and Horizon just get lost even though it's a phenomenal game. But this game just keeps poking its head up above the water, poking its head up. Every I, I just see podcasts are like, no, no, no. We're just going to take a whole episode into a spoiler cast on Horizon. Or, no, no, no. We're just going to bring on, like, three people who have beat Horizon and just talk about it. Because we've got to talk about it because it's that good. It's one of those games. It just refuses to go under the waves. Um, so that's my next game. I can't wait. Um, but for right now, man, I, I have a, uh, a glut of, of great shit to play. Cool, man. I want to play Thimbleweed, too. Yeah, I'd really like to play that as well. And I also want to play um, the rest of Wolf Among Us. What are you going to be playing? ukulele and overwatch probably for yeah. the foreseeable future um what's on the horizon anything 
not in my mind that I can think of anytime super soon. Yeah. I don't know, I've been so focused on moving prep and comics world and all that that I haven't put too much consideration into gaming uh, other than the I, again ukulele was the first one in months I've been mm. super excited for uh, and I'm enjoying that right now so I'll probably keep playing that for the foreseeable future quick question if you had a PS3 or a PS4 would Persona 5 be in it right now yeah probably yeah 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 what's the hesitation I don't know my biggest worry with that game is the you know you can't go home again feel and there's so much specifically about Persona 4 that I love. And, you know, I tried playing Persona 3 and just didn't get the same magic, even though that is his beloved game. So I, I wonder if I'll connect the same way with the cast and the world and all that. Well, so. what I've heard uh, about this game is that it actually has a better story. And it's from people that I know you trust. This is, I believe, Polygon Guy, who has played through the entire game twice. Um, and he says that you know, he's played them all. And he says it's the best story of all of them. And he played it twice. So, I mean, I, I have a feeling that even beyond 3, 5 is going to do it for you the way that 4 did. I have a feeling. Um, I mean, you know, the it has it has fantastic characters in the same way. And they're in that school setting. And it's just, I don't know, it's got that persona magic, man. No, I mean, don't get me wrong. It is on the list of games I will play, but I just... You have some trepidation. I have trepidation. It's hard to, it's hard to think that it... You know, I mean, because it's been a... It's a long time now since, you know, it's been eight years since I bought Persona 4, mm -hmm. and about six since I finished it, and I've lived with it that whole time, and mm -hmm. you know, two years playing a game means I really got into feeling out the characters and thinking about them, so it'll be interesting to see what it's like, and I, I do want to play it, it's just, you know, it, it trepidation and the the, the console limitation made it that it was easier. It was enough of an insurmountable barrier that you didn't quite jump over. Yeah, it. but when the PS4 happens, it'll be on there. Um, yeah. There's plenty to go back to as well, like, you know, Bloodborne or the Ratchet and Clank remake, but... Yeah, there's a lot of great stuff. Or Uncharted 4, maybe? Yeah, I probably would play the... Well, I'd need to play Uncharted 2 and 3. <laughs> okay. Finish right. 2. Right. Well, start over and finish. you gotta play 2, because 2 is the, maybe the best, some people say. I don't know. Awesome. Um, so I think that kind of answers everything. That's what we're going to be playing, right? Yep. That's what we've been playing. Yep. Um... And uh, why don't you, uh, I think we'll have this out before next weekend. So for people that are listening, why don't you tell them where you're going to be? Oh, yeah, I will be at the, it's a very tiny show, LexingCon in Lexington, North Carolina. Get it? LexingCon in Lexington. Uh, it is a very small one-day show. It is uh, in a brewery. But it, you going to drink some brews? <laughs> no. <laughs> but it is April 29th. Uh, 2017. Uh -huh. So if you'll be there, I'll be there. Um, you can have a big fat eight foot table. Yeah, I need. To, I hope I find someone to help fill that out. Um, but in the meantime, you can always find us at thejoyofgeek.net or thejoyofgaming.com for a full episode archives. Facebook, the Joy of Gaming, the Joy of Geek. Twitter at the Joy of Game. You can find me personally at indigomaster e n d i g o m a s t e r on Twitter, where I am. Uh, Always tweeting about something, including my friend, at the goading of uh, Kelsey Lair, the first tweet chain I had was a whole retrospective on my weird, intimate relationship with the filmography of Brendan Fraser. What? Uh, so I got a whole... Get, tease this a little. What, what is this? Uh, so, um, Brendan Fraser is an actor. I know who, who he prominent. is. He was in Biodome. He was prominent in the 90s. He was in Encino Man. He was was in he Encino in Biodome? Man. He was not in Biodome. Okay. That was Stephen Baldwin. You're okay. Of, and right. Paulie he, played, he played the... The that guy's version of he, he played the Brendan Fraser character 
in of box. course Encino Man. He was in a very similar rocker headspace where there was like the three the band that held up a place and they they became sensations. I forget oh, the name of that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but my mom is a huge Brendan Fraser fan back in the day, so I've seen a vast majority of his crash and pre-crash filmography. Uh, so I have a lot of opinions and feelings about Ren Fraser. Wait, and is so, Crash the one where he plays like that overt racist? Yeah. Okay. Um, but the film Blast from the Past was on last night, and I started tweeting about it, which started me thinking about all of my Brendan Fraser-related thoughts, uh, which included the definitive... If you want a good marathon to give you the full range of Brendan Fraser, you just need George of the Jungle, The Mummy, and Monkey Bone. And you'll get pretty much everything he's capable of. So, What about Encino Man, dude? You don't see any caveman action with those three? You don't, but you get the general goofiness. George of the Jungle is a jungle man. It is, okay. it is not unremoved right. from I'll caveman. Give you that. I'll give you That's analog enough. That's <laughs> um, enough of an analog. But yeah, sort of a man out of time thing is, is his, his, his niche in a lot of things. Blast from the past. Right. He's raised in a bomb shelter. Uh, right. So I had a lot of I had a very long chain about my thoughts on Brendan Fraser. Uh, so you can find that at my Twitter, which nice. is Indigo Master. Uh, you can also find me jordanelsega.tumblr.com, which is a website that does not get updated as much as it should. But so mainly the Twitter or Facebook.com currently slash Terminal Protocol, but that will be changing as soon as all the current Kickstarter stuff is finished up, uh, because it is now just Jordan Alsega for the writer, the man, the myth. The, the one day legend. Yeah, right. and you can also find teases of upcoming projects, including uh, which you'll hear more about on here. My new Kickstarter, which will be launching next month for my next project, a medium haunted house story. So, speaking of which, um, totally not speaking of that at all. But uh, <laughs> speaking of games we're going to be playing, are you not going to jump on any of those Telltale games? You're going to jump on that Batman or that uh, Guardians? Action? I might, but I, I'll probably just go and try to get through The Wolf Among Us if I do anything because I own that. <sighs> or so The Walking cool. Dead season two. That's free now. Yeah, that's true. That is on uh, on gold. There's a lot of good stuff. Um, Rise, Evolve. I've been meaning to try Evolve. You tried Evolve? Yeah, it's not the. Does it really suck? You gotta. Re- you really need a four-man team. Oh. It's an event type of game where you gotta get the crew together. We don't okay. have a crew, so. All right, right. At the moment, we'll get the crew together at some point soon. All right. Oh, oh Injustice you... Two. There it is. I'm dying for that. To okay, when's drop. that come out? Uh, I think May 12th. I knew there was something. Okay, good. Okay. I'm hyped for that. All right. So well, four days before the uh, big reveal of Destiny Two, you'll be rocking out playing some Captain Marvel one on one, right? What's your most anticipated two characters? Uh, in Injustice? I don't know. I'm really excited to play Swamp Thing. Okay. And, uh... Do you think Charles Soule, like, like does a voiceover or something? No. Where he goes, eyeball in the tree, I'm Swamp Thing. And then, uh, Black Canary, who's my favorite DC character, so... Okay. Where does Marvel, Captain Marvel, fit on the list? Captain... Shazam? No! Oh, fuck. I'm screwing up. Where did I see her? She's in, it, she's in Marvel vs. Capcom. In, okay. Infinite. No, I saw... I could have sworn I saw Captain Marvel, the one, like, Debris is going to be playing, but, like, on a video game poster. I forgot, yeah, she's Marvel, but... Why didn't I see that? I'll I have don't to know. look. Next time I go to that game store, I'll have to look and see, like, what context that was. Would they have Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite? Yeah, they would. I mean, Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 was re-released for the... One in PS4, but I don't think she's in that, so... Yeah, is she in any games? Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. What is that? The new Marvel vs. Capcom game. That's coming out? Yeah. Well, that's what it was then. I'm sure there was a poster for that. Probably. Um, Alright, anyway, you can find me at Rich Lepore. All the same places Jordan mentioned. Uh, come check out our podcast archive. 
at Joy of Gaming. You said pod.podbean.com. I think you did. I didn't say .podbean.com. I said thejoyofgaming.com. Which, which we'll link there. And also check us out on iTunes if you would like. And actually, um, or Podbean. And we need to get we need, we're going to get on some more uh, uh, podcasting sites as well soon. So uh, on that note, I am Rich Lapore. Jordan Alseca. We'll see you later. Take care.